my fellow Brappentonians and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, the pumpkin to my spice latte, <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Hovindy! You know, I'm so glad we do this weekly. Every week. Every week. What people don't know is we record every week. We just don't always put them out. Yeah, I mean, we do our part, but the internet can only handle so much of this. Is that what we blame it on? Al Gore's internet? Um, I would just, I mean, I, I'm sure there's like some sort of explanation we owe our listenership. All right. Uh, we just, we when, just didn't, we, when, some, we put out the show and then we, and then we didn't put out the show and, and here we are. And then Coda, Coda was Coda. Uh, and then my homework. I don't know what to tell you. I've been working. My dog ate the homework and then, uh, we've been busy and there was, I think I broke a rib. You broke your foot. Uh, yeah, you broke your rib. My house broke, almost burned down. Yeah, there was a, a, a fire. There was a lot of fires. There's still fires some places. It's actually really smoky today. It's super smoky. California is trying to choke us out, but giving us really nice sunsets. Thanks, California. And XO, XO. rising property values. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for gentrifying us with your smoke. Yeah. It's one of those days. But well, we're back. We're back, guys. We're here. Did you miss us? What do you want to talk about? I missed you. <laughs> I want to talk about motorcycles and motorcycling and motorcyclists and how I can't do any of those things with this left foot of mine right now. Tell tell everyone what's up. Tell everyone what you've been up to, but tell them your most recent news. Uh, well. One of my coworkers pointed out that one of the last times you and I recorded, your foot was broken. You'd fucked up your toe. I, I broke a toe. I, I sprained my ankle pretty good, and then I broke a rib or two. Yeah. So I didn't do anything cool. I was, there was a motorcycling involved. I mean, maybe from years of riding, this is happening, but apparently Americans walk on concrete a lot and we have bone spurs on our heels. A lot of us do. I can't be the only one, according to my doctor, but my giant overgrown calf muscle slash Achilles tendon yanked that spur so hard that it broke on my left foot. These are really strong calves. I have super, like, they're like diamonds. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, I get to be in a in an air cast or in a boot for like six weeks. So there, go, boot. there goes any motorcycling plans for me, but I'm still going to create all kinds of fun stuff for my fellow friends and customers and listeners. Six weeks. That's tough, man. That's because forever. That basically takes you through the rest of our season up here. I know. I'm done. There's no... What can this happen? Like, I don't know, end of December. Yeah. Rude. I woke up on Saturday morning. This is today's Tuesday. No, Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. I woke up on Saturday morning and it felt like somebody took a ball ball peen hammer to my left foot's heel. And I was like, man, this feels like it's broken, but I haven't done anything. And then it turns out it was. So here I am. That sucks. Yeah. That's a, cool a bum boot deal. on. That's weird that just you just wake up and it's like that all of a sudden. That's what it's uh, like when you hit your forties, bro. It's super fun. You just wake up and your body's like, hey, you remember that part? I don't need it anymore. Fuck it. It's broken. And the doctors aren't even like, you're young, we should fix this. They're like, here's a boot. Hopefully it fixes itself. Best <laughs> good, of luck to you. Good luck. <laughs> You're just a useless piece of shit. You're, now. you're at that age now where we're not really going to invest a lot of resources nah. into you. This is going to take a lot of work. And you're oh, kind she, of. A, she described what the surgery would look like, and I was like, "Yeah, can I just have the boot? It sounds way less tedious. Just, can you just cut it off? That's just fine. Fuck it. Just yeah, give me a cool like. It's 2020, bro. Why don't we have like cool titanium legs okay, that do well, neat things? Let's back that up right there. You just said it's 2020, bro. Why can't we like as if 
as if this year is going to be some bounty of positive things that are yeah. going to happen. Like, my oh, silver lining oh, will be this is, cool. This isn't like the legs. Oprah year where it's like, you get a car and you yeah. get a house and you get a house. You get a fire. You get a flood. Yeah. Come you on. get a COVID. Everybody gets a COVID. Like, I'm just trying to maintain. I've, yeah. I'm just trying. You know, I'm an eternal optimist, Jensen. Silver lining somewhere. It's I funny. Almost, I almost bought a car and I'm glad I didn't because it was stick shift and this is not a stick shift friendly boot. Did you not buy that car? I didn't. I didn't. Mm. It was sexy in my driver for two weeks though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, got to, I got to live the dream for two weeks. It was fun. <laughs> just taste it. Just, like, just, just the taste. I always say daddy wants to taste. I got a taste. Fuck. Uh, Careful what you ask for. <laughs> What's new with you? Uh, I don't know. We had a track day a couple days ago. We had ago. a track day. That, that was, was the last track day of the season here, probably in the Pacific Northwest That's for me. That's how I knew I was in trouble. I didn't ride a minute in that track day because my left foot hurt so much. Yeah. I was pouting the whole day like, mm, yeah. I hope you're having fun. It was mm. a good day. I mean, it was cold in the morning. There was it a was. Lot, of, lot of crashes. There was so <laughs> many crashes. People, I don't think, understand the correlation between cold track and cold tire and why they just let off the... All right, like like a little inside <laughs> baseball for those that haven't been to to Portland International Raceway. Turn three catches you out. Yeah, mostly. I mean, when you look at at the tra- track itself, especially when it's cold, there's like a solid thirty to forty five seconds, almost half of your lap, where you haven't been on that left hand side of the tire. Uh-huh. Turn three is the first left hand turn, and it's like a real tur- le- left turn. It's a real left hand turn. Like there's there's a couple other like kind of left hand turns, but not really. Like, that's, like that one. It's kind of like the only one. Yeah. The other left hand turns are like teases. They're like a little tease of a left hand turn. Like a little. Yeah. It's just turn seven, and you're just kind of like because eh, we don't ride the chicane, so you don't get that that right. left going into the chicane. Right. Um. So so it just from like a heat tire perspective, it's just that could be hard. And then you throw into the fact that it's got a little bit of a crown. It's a little bit off camber. Yep. It's usually kind of dirty offline too. Yep. There's a lot of tire debris. Just, yeah. It's like we're all the, I see people going the outside of the turn. I'm like, don't do it. Don't. Well, and that's the don't. thing. Like I was trying to explain it. I was working with another rider and I was like trying to explain like, you know, if you just looked at this from like an aerial point of view and drew a line on what the optimal line is. Cause it's like, it's what Ken Hill will call an exit turn. Right. So if you were trying to like late apex it to get on the gas and kind of going in deep, that would look correct on paper. That is 100% how you crash at yep. that turn. Yep. Like you're just better off just getting to the the inside of it as quick as you can and hogging that curb and just getting out of it alive. That turn knows my name twice. I have never crashed there. Don't. A lot of people have. I picked up a lot of people uh, this people weekend. People just watch you wreck on there and like, yeah, I've seen that before. You're not. You're not new to this. Oh, and it's fun too. They're like, oh, I was, I don't know what happened. And like, I know exactly what happened. You mm-hmm. were like 20 feet off the apex. Like, I know exactly. You what did exactly what I told you not to do. I didn't do anything cool like that. I just was an idiot and rode on a tire that was like three sessions too much. There is that too. Like, Kinda if you don't squeeze that last session out of the tire and turn three, is like, listen, bro, no. You got a shag tire. You got one that's uh, not up to temp. Yeah. That you're not like me. Your pressures are off. Turns out I'm I'll not. Get you. I'm not Mark Marquez. I can't just lift the bike back up with my elbow. Just put it up on your knee. Yeah. yeah. This is how you know you're not that good because when the slide happens, you're just on the ground. You're like, someone's like, well, when you feel the slide, yeah, I felt the slide and I was sliding. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it happened really quick. So we did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to ride the Kramer a bit. And then I got like one session on the Street Fighter, which I wish I'd spent a little bit more time on. But 
Yeah, I didn't really see you out there on that much. You were ripping around in that Kramer, though. Yeah, I was ripping around that Kramer. Had a good the the, the racing season's over, it so is. That, that happened. Uh, very unfortunate. We only had two race rounds this year, out of our planned COVID, COVID. six rounds. We could have had four, but actually, we we would have been racing this weekend up in Washington, which probably would have been okay. Hmm. Uh, and then the last round in Portland got canceled, um, which I was very. Very, very, very disappointed. You to were. See. I saw what you wrote. You were very sad. That's about as diplomatic as Gave I can be about hug. that. I was very disappointed in that outcome. Um, partially because I was in the hunt for the club championship. Um, How close were you? Very close. Or just pretend like you got it. Uh, I, I could. Uh, Hannah Johnson, our, our our beloved friend and fast friend, bratty little sister that neither of us wanted. <laughs> um, she is now the we club champion. So she, that's good for her. Uh, she kicked ass this year, so she definitely deserves it. She's just so fast. She's so fucking talented. She's, she's okay. She's all right. I mean, for a girl. For a girl. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that girl's faster than most guys I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of a weird situation. So she was, she's been leading the, the championship the whole year and wasn't going to be able to race that round, which is what kind of gave me the window of opportunity to, to, to take that. Right. Um, so it's like in terms of like the grand universe of how like things should should come out like yeah she should totally be champion you know because like not getting it because you had to like go work that weekend that's kind of a shitty reason that's how racing works man if you don't show up you don't win there's a little bit of that and, and it got <laughs> and that got me last year because i had to miss the, our last round last that's year right. because of work and it cost me uh, uh a class podium but um so yeah runner up in our club and championship i uh, won all three of my classes on the kramer so happy with that result um nice. that was my goal for the year i just wanted to win my classes and if that meant a good result in the club championship then then so be it that wasn't my focus so yeah really happy with that um there's definitely some things i did wrong that i, I would like to improve upon and there's goals for next year and yeah next year i'm coming out i want i want that number one play coming out screaming yeah nice so you gonna uh, do uh, any prep work this winter to get ready Yes, so uh, I actually might be traveling to Fargo. Fargo uh, next week to drop the Kramer off at Kramer USA. Ooh, and we're gonna the old girl. She's 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 shown some age. And gonna gonna give her a little refresher. Yeah, I just looked. Uh, she's got twenty four hundred race miles on her. That's impressive. So uh, that's a lot of red line time. We're gonna we're gonna take her apart and see what what it looks like, and uh, <laughs> that actually should be kind of fun. Like I think I'm gonna do a story on it just to be like, you should. This is what a KTM single looks like after two seasons. That's um, actually I, I, I'm super interested in that. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the bike. I, I do think I lost like a horsepower or two. Just because of of things rattling around in there, yeah, but you gain that horsepower by looking spelt. Look at you; you're like a fighter right now, like like a tie fighter, like just a, like round with <laughs> with kind of wings coming out of me. Um, the wings help, Jensen. But yeah, no. So we'll we'll get her all tuned up for next year. The goals, I, I'm just if anything, the results from this year just make me that much more determined for next year. So uh, uh, yeah, I want to win win the classes, win win the clubmen. Maybe do some racing with AFM. Maybe do some racing with Wormra. Maybe CVMA. There's some talk about going out and doing the Barber Vintage Fest. That would be amazing. Uh, so we'll see. I wonder what that bike would be like on Barber. It's, uh, it's, I hear it's a little bumpy out there, but it's a little bike. It's meant to zip around. Uh, I think it would be awesome. Uh, be cool. Barber just got repaved when we did the S1000RR launch. Nice. And it was a lot better than it used to be. I heard uh, one of our local tracks, the Ridge is getting repaved. 
for next season. I have heard that as well. They just told me today, actually. Yeah. I heard from them. Why am I saying it like I heard through the grapevine? Ridge told me that they're repaving. <laughs> so that's, that's actually a funny thing. That's one of the things that I've done in the last, uh, in, the, in the timeline from this show to the last show. We actually have another show that you and I recorded that, that is going to come out. Two of them. Maybe. Is there two? Yeah. I, have to, I have to look. Oh, boy. It's somewhere uh, in the ether of your computer. So I don't know where we talked about it in that thing, but there's two more shows to kind of fill in the gaps. But I don't think either of them we talk about going to the Ridge for the Moto America round. I don't think so. Yeah. So the quick version of that, it's actually really interesting to see how much of a force Moto America has been in terms of getting, you know, one of our local tracks here yeah. to kind of like invest more in their facility. And they're investing some serious money into it because they're yeah. repaving it. And then they're putting in beautiful garages. Yeah. That you could rent out for a hundred bucks for the day for two motorcycles. How big are they? Uh, they're 600 square feet each. So 30 by 20. Yeah. That's, that's pretty easy. big. That's awesome. So like, like you and your buddy, or two you, bikes. you could easily, you can hold more than two bikes. Well, no, they, they say that for a hundred bucks, that's what you're allowed. So is I'm that sure a COVID said, thing or is that a, I just, think that's just their rules. That's just them trying to maximize their potential. I was going to say like you put income. like 10 bikes in there and for I mean, 10 bucks a bike. Bad. Even for two people, like I would split that with you for a day of having a cool garage. Oh, for not having to, I, that's easily worth not having to haul my generator exactly. and, my, and my gas and exactly. all that. You're already paying 250 to $300 for a track day. And you got to haul all this shit over there with you and deal with all of it. Imagine just showing up with your bike and just put in the garage. Yeah. Chill. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I was really impressed with with just the quick work that they've done to get the Moto America around and then seeing the plans that are coming to fruition. It's really making it one of the more premier tracks on the West Coast now. It's such a nice track to ride on. I, I hate to shit talk our local track because I love it and the fact that it's only a quarter mile from my house, but... Boy, that ridge is a fun track. It's, it's just fun. it's got so much to offer. It's super fun. And the chicane, we did I think we did talk about this because we talked about the chicane a little bit. They just added the chicane and you can opt to have it or not have it, but yeah. I, I believe in the chicane. I think it that turn one without the chicane is so goddamn scary. Because you're you're trail breaking at triple digits to get into that turn properly. Yeah. The the only thing with the chicane that I don't like is that the start of the race, if you're racing, the start yeah, yeah. is a little hairy. Right. Uh, the starting line needs to be pushed back way further. I agree. Um, but it is fun. I do. I enjoy we should the talk to them about that. I bet they'd be receptive to that idea. I, I think that's got to be. I mean, it's not like a hard thing to do. You just no. got to cut a thing across the asphalt. <laughs> you lines up about 100 yards that way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think all things considered, it, that's an easier fix than some of the other things that they're, they're doing. So uh, that was cool. Um, what else did we get to do? There's a couple things I want to talk about in the show. We saw some cool bikes. Saw some cool bikes. Uh, I got to ride the Honda CBR 1000 RR-R Fireblade SP. Oof. Uh, we'll get to that in like, I don't know, 30 minutes or whatever. After these messages from your sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was fun. Went down to Thunder Hill. Didn't die from smoke inhalation. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else is going on? Thunder I, Hill, huh? That's, that's my about nickname it. I, for your butt. I've got a BMW R18 on its way here, Shaheen. Are you... Serious? Yeah. You know, I've been told by BMW I can ride that bike, so you better share. Can you do it with your foot? Fuck. Can you keep it for more <laughs> than six weeks, please? No, I can't do it with my foot. I think that might work out. I, I will t- I will get out of this boot just for that. I don't care. I think it's going to take them like another week or so to get it here, and then like we'll have it for a while. I'm a car guy in BMW. Hey, can you and then they'll forget that, that for I like have it? Weeks? Exactly. And then... So like uh, Honda. Here's a Goldwing for indefinitely. Just enjoy. Yeah. I like it. I'm excited for this weird ass bike. The more I see it, the more I like it, and the more I think it's goofy. Like today, I was showing the picture of it to one of our coworkers, 
And she was like, does it have to be that wide? Uh, yeah, it's 1,800 cc's of para, <laughs> like a boxer motor. You know, the funny thing is like 1,800 cc's in the cruiser world isn't that big. Not anymore. It just looks so big because it's just, it's all <laughs> lengthwise. I wonder what the drag coefficient of that motor is. <laughs> you know? It's just so big. It's like, it's like, I don't know, at least 11 inches tall. Each yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks when out it's about, on like a five inch platform. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I am so. I know our friends at BMW are listening to this and just shaking their head, their head at us. But, oh, that was the reason why I'm getting it last. Right, <laughs> <It's so late. laughs> keep talking shit. See if you ever get that bike. No, to be fair, they they definitely they definitely invited me down, and I was just like, I don't want to fly down there. I'm excited for you to get this bike. I'm super well. That was the thing. They were like, this thing. and you can ride it back home. And I'm like, I don't live in LA. Riding it back, I'm not going to spend. What? Four days right now. I, think oh, I wish I knew that was an option. No. I would have gone there and, and wrote it No, wrote you it back wouldn't have. Come on. No, you wouldn't have. 100%. That was like, that was the middle of fires. That was the other thing too. It was, it was right when the fires were going on. There was like a, for those who don't know, like there was like a two day period where I was like, my yeah, house Your house was down. in the red zone almost. It was, we were in the, the evac, like the pre-evac warning zone. And like every hour the fire was like just coming like another mile closer. Dude. I think I think it finished like five miles away. That rain came right in time. Yeah, the rain and the wind came right at the perfect time. Um but and it was so smoky. It was so, so smoky. Like the AQI was like five hundred. It's like at the we, maximum of the We of were the table. we were past the max for yeah. like a week. Uh so that was a little scary. I was like, cause cause that was the other thing. We were we were supposed to have a track day that week. Right. And I, I don't know if I told you, I was telling someone, I was like, listen, like if we're still in that evac thing, like I don't feel comfortable being on the other side of town because no. in a moment's notice, I yeah. could have to be packing up my shit. And, and Coda Kitty, I mean, she handled a lot of it for you. But kissing you like to, all of my, my, um, and unfortunately a lot of people did lose their homes. So yeah, was a, that was, that was a, that was a terrible week and a half. That was insanely. What was crazy. Um, I, so I drove down for that Honda launch. I didn't fly for right. that either. Um, and so, like, I drove down in the middle of the night, which was crazy, and that's a whole nother thing. But I, when I came back up, it was the middle of the day. So I got to see all the fire damage. Just the damage, the carnage. And, like, Ashland and Medford. Like, going through Medford, you look on either side of the freeway, and it's totally scorched. And you just see rubble from, like, houses. Yeah. Like, like, just, like, block after block of houses. But every now and then, there'd be, like, one house on the block that, like, just wasn't touched at all. Like, it was in a bubble. Yep. And it was so weird. You've got to be like, man, how has it got to be like you're the only one in your neighborhood whose house survived? That's so weird. Like you feel really lucky, but like it's got to be like a super like survivor's guilt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what that was crazy to see. And it was like, it was right there. It was like right near one downtown. One of the longest standing motorcycle shops, actually three bike shops went down, but Hanson's BMW burnt like overnight, just down to nothing. It's craziness. Uh, just, it's just insane. A lot of people that we know and love, you know, were affected one way or another with this thing. So I'm glad it's uh, mostly under control now. And thanks to everybody for helping out and donating time and money and efforts to keeping people safe. We, I, I went out as the at, at Moto Corsa and we bought the fire department like just as much as I could fit in the car of cases of water. Yeah. <clears throat> like, here, you guys are help, helping this. Have some water. Please. They're doing the thing. Uh, it was cool coming up. Also, um, uh, right on the Oregon border, I, I came across a caravan of, of fire engines. One was from Petaluma. One was from Santa Rosa. And a wow. couple others were were North Bay 
you know, firemen coming up to Oregon to help us out. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, it's kind of cool to see, like, how that community, how, like, all the resources from other states come and help each other right. out. Um, so that's a good story there. But uh, it's kind of a crazy time. This has been, <laughs> this has been, been a exciting. crazy. It's been interesting. Crazy year. <laughs> you know. Um, fun. With that in mind, Shane, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the state of the industry because I think we talked about that in the last show, honestly. Right. But it's been so long, I feel like it's worth an update. Yeah. And you've got a great ex- perspective from being I mean, I've got the dealership. The, you know, boots on the ground perspective. You've got literally the, the boot on the ground. The boot, the left boot on the ground <laughs> perspective. Mighty. So tell me what's up. What do you see? What's um, what's going on? What's percolating? So I mean, we're obviously we are uh seasonal, but it seems like the season has been drawn out for a longer period i i think some of it has to do with the what we're used to as being a traditional start of school season oh interesting okay yeah i, I think some of that is because that's definitely gotten weird and delayed and right i mean up. people are kids are you know learning from home and so there's no real like, are they right there's no real like back to school necessarily in that in that physical tangible sense of it they're and it's interesting how a lot of the parents are like, well, I mean, I guess I can keep riding my motorcycle and my kids at home. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, you know, all these other things that come along, all the logistics of it. That's, by the way, from my perspective, which zero knowledge. I don't have any kids. Uh, you know but of. I'm wondering if that's that has to do with it because typically for us, you know, September, end of August, early September is sort of like where it slows down. And, and there was no sign of it slowing down in September. Um, in fact we you know we had just insane numbers just because i think people are more um more interested in going out and riding and just kind of having that quote unquote social distancing that's been the joke at work like motorcycles the original social distancing tool um so and the companies seem to be pretty interested in helping the dealerships out at least on our side with ducati there's been a really really good communication and helping us out with making sure we have good programs for the customers and good incentives for them to get on motorcycles and you know there's news of new bikes coming out we just saw ducati tease us with the up-and-coming v4 multistrada and they didn't even really talk about the motor they were more interested in teasing the radar system which i'm not really that privy on just yet yeah i, <clears throat> I got that in my notes to talk about too there's there's a discussion there for right. sure uh, I'm I'm hearing from other brands like the big Harley types that's slowing down a lot, but uh, dirt bikes it seems like are still super duper popular. A lot of the dealerships locally are still not able to grab, you know, a huge allotment of dirt bikes. Somewhere between COVID and production slowing down and COVID and need for that vehicle going up, there's been just this crazy. Uh, I'm so tired of the word unprecedented, but unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> movement where dealerships just aren't able to keep you know bikes and side-by-sides and you know any real recreational vehicle in stock so good for dealers um good for customers for being so interested in going out there i'm seeing a lot of people riding um i i I wonder if there's been any sort of like uptick in motorcycle accidents but i haven't noticed any extra on the news or anything um but yeah, I mean, on our side, it's been pretty healthy. It's been interesting to see it be better than last year. Is it, is it, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it, right? Like one, I always wonder how much of the boom that we're seeing in kind of late spring, summer is just 
bike sales that would have happened in the early spring right. but because dealerships were closed and everyone was hunkering down they didn't happen so that that just got displaced a few months down the timeline and now we're those those bikes are coming through and other bikes are showing up and so like we're seeing this big surge because we've condensed the buying time into this area right or is it genuinely that like sales overall are doing well because like 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 for example like ducati not Ducati, sorry. BMW's numbers came out today. Yeah. Um, just like the very high level ones, not the the granular ones. And their Q3 is up like 21%. Yeah. You know, they're fucking crushing it. That's huge. Which is huge. But also, but I'm over, always wondering. But, but is for that, the year overall, like right. the first nine months of the year, they're down 5%. Right. So it's like, you know, the year is still going to be a negative. It's going to be the first year in nine years where they don't set a record sales right. number. Right. But, you know, if you like, if you just had like a very like goldfish perspective of it, they're doing very well. And it's like, will that momentum carry them through the rest of the year? And they'll actually have like a break even year or not. I shouldn't say break even, but like a positive growth year. Will it be down? Right. I'm curious to see how the matrix of it look from if we're going to talk about the COVID part of it, because COVID truly started at the beginning of Q2. The the reality of it. Right. The reality, right? So like early March, late February. So let's let's call it Q two. That's when um, COVID kind of hit. Will the numbers go up then? Because I think there was a lot of uncertainty when it came along with it. And at some point, essentially, at least up here, we didn't see a green light of like go out and do things until Juneish. Yeah. So now we're into Q three, and that's when a lot of people I know in the motorcycle industry on this on the retail side of it were like, holy shit. People are seeing this as a way of getting out and sort of being isolated, but also outside. Um, and so I, I remember going to our local uh, dirt biking area, you know, the, the OHV area, the Browns camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of buddies and I, we took our big bikes just to be out there. And I, I had never on the best, sunniest, most perfect summer day seen that many people out um, riding over there. And it yeah. wasn't that great of a day. And so you could see there was a definite correlation between like green light, go out and have fun, but, you know, keep socially distance and people saying, oh, yeah, so I can do that with motorcycles. And now that my kids are at home all the time and I got to figure out a way of having fun with them, I'm going to get a couple of tiny little dirt bikes for my kids and just go out and have fun. And that's that's happening all over. Yeah. And no, so I heard that from a couple of dealers. As soon as the stimulus checks showed up, yeah, I mean, they were down we, the dealership buying dirt bikes for their kids and stuff. And the other thing that we've noticed is... <clears throat> Maybe I shouldn't necessarily talk about this, but I feel like it's, I think everyone's noticed it at this point, but a lot of us in the dealership network realized that there was a sudden um, shortage of used vehicles because now people that were thinking about buying motorcycles and they didn't want to spend a whole lot of money saw that there was a value in buying something that's four, five, six years old for lots less money. And so those started going away. And so naturally, you know, cause and effect is you're getting rid of all these vehicles, cars, motorcycles, RVs, you name it. On the use side, those values started going up, mm-hmm. but it didn't slow them down. Yeah. Um, so it's it was really funny to watch economics one hundred and one happen, and you know since June basically when the green light was given to go out and you know socially distant, and be responsible, and you know but go out. How do you look at it, like like planning for the future? Because this is this is like my number one fear, and this is <clears throat> like on a. On a micro level, I look at it from the motorcycle industry, mm-hmm. but on a macro level, I look at it just like like America and, right. the, and the world in general. Because 
we're having this huge surge. Like, like I think if you talk to most dealers right now, like they're pretty stoked on life because they're moving, they're just crushing units left and right. Right. But you know, you look at kind of like the situation, like there's a ton of talk about what the economy is going to look like a year from now. Yeah. And that's a realistic thing that you have to look at. And like, I worry about like, you know, all these people are going out, like everyone got their stimulus check and they went out and spent it. Right. No one put it in the bank account. Right. No one paid off a, a debt that they had. They were just like, ah, yeah, buy a dirt bike, go buy right. a, buy a TV, buy a PS4, <laughs> four or whatever it is. Um, and meanwhile, like unemployment's just going up and up and up. Yep. Uh, we we saw it come back down, but it's still I think like close to like eleven percent right now. Yeah, it's pretty pretty large number. Not super great. Um, there's a lot of debate on whether or not we're going to see any sort of stimulus from the government going uh, going forward. Uh, that's in the news right now. Um, and it's like I really get worried. Like I'm really like like we're we're going into a recession. We're already in a recession. People don't realize it because it's like this weird this weird thing. Right. But like we're gonna feel the. I feel like we've just delayed the realization of those effects and like this time next year we're going to be hurting like that's at least that's how i'm planning asphalt and rubber's budget and all that right. other stuff where i'm just like i need to keep it super lean because we're not going to have good motorcycle sales next year we're not going to have people with with extra money people are going to be laid off people are going to be feeling the effects of it i mean like the airline industry just just felt it you know and they had to like american let off a bunch of people in the next couple of weeks right if they don't get some sort of bailout like there might not be an American airline industry after this, you know, until like we, we rebuild and there's, there's travel again. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like I know a couple of the OEMs have kind of like changed their planning and a couple of them are like, Nope, full steam ahead. And I'm just kind of curious yeah. from your perspective as dealer, like how do you plan for the future and how do you see it? And then like, what, what measures do you do to, to kind of like protect yourself in that reality or, or, or Ducati buyers even affected by it, which might be well. I mean, that's a fair question, right? Because a lot of Ducati buyers are sort of, uh, you know, it's not not a lot of them. Maybe that used to be the case before, but I mean, I think if you look at the broad spectrum of who's buying motorcycles from me, they're not millionaires. They're they're, you know, do they make more money than the average American? Yes, but they're still a younger professional level person who, you know, makes maybe not six figures but close to it a little bit less and so it's a budgeted item right it's not like they just come in here stroking 20 30 40 thousand dollar checks to us all day long is that someone though who didn't get laid off they just started working from home on zoom we have a lot of that yeah because remember portland we're we're really sort of tech savvy and um a lot of those people could work from home we we've seen I think because of who who we're selling to, that is a lot more often the case than not. So someone that got to work from home and kind of got relocated from to work from a home office, which also kind of added to suddenly seeing that they have a little extra time to be able to ride their motorcycles because now they're saving somewhere between half an hour to two hours of commute time daily, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that being said, it's interesting because I remember I'm, I'm sort of thinking back on the last time we had a real recession, oh, eight, 08, 09, right? Yeah. The motorcycle industry didn't necessarily feel it as much. It was a delay. Right? It, it, it was, was funny. It was a delay. It, it took a long time before it came on because, you know, the OEMs, what they do is they see this and they go, okay, we need to make sure we can sort of pad it and make sure that we're able to still offer a product to our clients um, and not be too greedy about it so that it can sort of be okay. So I'm wondering, you know, if that'll be the case again because – as it stands, it's it's interesting to see that the more 
uh, knowledge our American buyers have about what's going on around the world, the less they seem to care. Uh, we're, we're barraged with news all day long, and I feel like it's getting to the point where people are getting sort of callous to it, and it's not affecting them quite as much. Because when people come into the shop, we're not talking politics, we're talking motorcycles, and it's almost like a relief for them just to come in there and just chat about motorcycles, buy one or ride one or whatever. So I think we sort of have the luxury of being a sort of like a release valve, a pressure release valve for people who want to not look at what's going on globally and, you know, and, and locally, whether it's politically or, or economically speaking, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so my general plan has been to up our engagement level to give people, I mean, I've said this before, it's, it's always my plan, but even more so just to be sort of a positive message uh, of making sure that like, you know, if, if this is a thing that you can afford, then you should do it so that you can go out and kind of get away a little bit and disconnect a little bit. Because frankly, everybody's sort of connected to their phone all the time. And I see people just rage uh, uh, tweeting almost like, you know, just constantly reading the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't change anything in your life. It's just sort of taking away a little bit. But Wait, that, what? Huh? You mean you mean when I post that thing on Facebook uh, about that that topic that's that everyone wants to argue about? It doesn't change anything, right. Shaheen? Yeah, weird, isn't it? just a way to call each other out for nothing. And I get it. Everyone's got a thing to fight for. I, I certainly, as an immigrant, I have felt the effects of things, good, bad, and otherwise. And so, yes, I will definitely speak my my tone about it. But the point is, it's like there's millions of people doing it, so it just becomes noise. Yeah. Right? The the, the signal-to-noise ratio is has gotten really – it's gotten out of, right. out of proportion. And it is callousing us a little bit. We're all becoming kind of like <clears> – <throat> desensitized to it and it's not necessarily a good thing but to that effect it's this whole motorcycling thing whether you're a dirt biker or a cruiser or whatever you are it's it's that chance to get away it's that chance just to have the you know the <laughs> like the uh the wind in your hair so to speak right and just listen to that and just be involved and that's always been my reason for loving motorcycling is because i'm so involved in the actual act of riding the motorcycle whether it's on the street or on the dirt or on the track Everything else doesn't matter anymore. I'm just kind of connected to that moment. And that's the message I'm I'm going to work really hard to pass on to everybody else. Um, so my plan for the next quarter, essentially, is to bring a lot of engagement, bring people in to talk about things, do a lot of seminars, do a lot of... Um, uh, I'm going to do like an adventure season type thing where we're going to go out and like learn how to ride adventure bikes. Adventure season. Adventure season. That sounds very dynamic and rad. It is, man. Everybody can it's be. a season for adventuring. It is, man. This is, uh, you know, it's rainy. Get your season for adventure. Fuck the weather. That's actually going to be our um, tagline, I think. Fuck the weather. Yeah. Because we're motorcyclists like and we can say shit like that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how we can do this, right? Because we're always preaching you know, as I've always said to my wife, and she always laughs when I say this, it's easier to play chess than somebody else's board, right? It's, sure. it's easier to look at that from an outsider's perspective and go, ah, you should have done a different move. She, that's literally my job. Right. That's, that's my whole shtick. What what a cool thing to be able to do. <laughs> but it helps, right? But if, if you've got, if you're a a championship chess player and you can give someone some insight, it helps them a little bit. So now in my position, I've played chess on somebody else's board, and now I'm at the position where it's my game. And I get to look at it and I get to kind of slow things down a little bit and go, okay, here are the moves that are available to me and I can either do it for a quick immediate gain or I need to look at the long game. And I'm trying to be more 
cognizant of the long game and see what it's going to look like. So I'm not over-ordering. I'm not, you know, overpricing. I'm not over-promising. Um, and I'm making it where my little boutique dealership is more uh, aware of the individual that walks in there and gives that individual a reason to walk in there so that they have a full-on experience. No matter what kind of a motorcyclist you are, no matter what your idea or dream of motorcycling may be. Because at the end of the day, I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it again, nothing in my shop is a necessity. So if you're walking in there, I'm grateful that you're in there. I'm going to give you the time of your life. Well, maybe the bathroom. You got your own shitter. You can use mine. It's clean. I don't mind. I mean, I've kind of ran out of toilet paper again, so it's like an issue. You so. still don't have a bidet, huh? No. Sensible. No. In fact, I got actually have to, re- I have to do a whole, like, I don't have to do like a bathroom remodel, but I got to tear my shower apart and pull the the cartridge thing out because it's all, it's all weird. Install? Well, I was like, I was sitting there like, <laughs> like funny enough, like it's, it's not a hard task. Like I have to turn the water main off to do it, but it's like, uh, well, I don't know, our job, maybe yeah. less, yeah. but then I'm like, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well, like, I don't really like the <laughs> handle. So I should just like, replace the whole handle. I'm like, well, if I'm going to replace the whole handle, I should, uh, I should re- replace the spigot too. And the shower head, oh, because man, like, it just became a, because those come in like our job. And that's, you know, like, it's just easier at that point. If you do one upstairs, you might as well do one in downstairs. For a penny, in for a pound. Well, then I'm like, if I'm going to replace those, Shaheen, I should just redo the whole bathroom. Because, like, my shower, it's kind of like. How did an $80 okay, bidet turn great. into an $8,000 bathroom project? Not even. It's like a $30 part. <laughs> and, like, I literally sat there and, like, I like spiral. I'm like, fuck, man. I just spent, like, $5,000 on my head. Like, yeah, I don't and know. that's why you haven't done it yet. Cause you're exactly. Just, it's called paralysis by analysis. Knock it off and just get a bidet. No, I just. <laughs> ugh. Or you know what? I said this at the beginning of COVID when there was a whole toilet paper uh, uh, dilemma. Just take a shit and then jump in the shower and wash yourself. I mean, come on, you got to take a shower anyway. No, that's my issue. Is is the handle that take that turns the bath water on? It it doesn't close all the way now, oh, and so like it, you got to dig like three or four tries to Ooh, get that's that. That's way out, man. You got to change that before it breaks. I know. I and know. Then you have a way bigger problem. Yeah, Someone listening right now is a plumber. Like, don't don't fuck with that body. Buddy, we gotta talk. But buddy. buddy, let me just come in for a hundred dollars an hour. I'll fix this shit for you. Yeah. So I've been watching YouTube videos. <laughs> YouTube I'm make, University. I want to make yeah, I want to make a mess out of it this weekend. It's hey, I fun. fixed the dryers, washers, uh, you name it. I fixed from YouTube University. Uh, I fixed my my uh, during when we had that smoke. Yeah. I had to fix my my blower on my furnace fan to because I had it running for like six days and it overheated. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> turns out they're only supposed to run for like, yeah, they really <laughs> aren't designed to be running for that long. It is not, uh, like uh, that's why restaurants have those giant ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it worked. I mean, my, I was fairly smoke free in the house. So it was good. Um, that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> what rabbit hole? Tell me more. <laughs> I, I am curious to see what, what next year has for, for dealers. And, and, and I think, I think the smart brands won't be jamming units down dealer right. throats. I think that's where a lot of trouble we can like there are some there are some OEMs that are known more than others for for stuffing channels. And I feel like if you're one of those dealers, like 2021 is gonna be a scary year for you yeah. because that that brand is just gonna be like, holy shit, like no one's buying our bikes. You guys gotta take all of them. Like we, we can't be holding this inventory anymore. And it's just not gonna move. And they're gonna I see like so short sighted. And they do fire it every sales time. at the end of the year. Ugh someone's getting fucked at the end of the day. So you either as a brand are looking at your investors or you're looking at your end user who's your dealership. Who are you going to fuck? I don't know. 
your dealer because yeah. your investor is the reason you're around anymore not yeah. your dealer in your mind which is to me is asinine as a dealer uh luckily ducati isn't like this and they're 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 small enough where i can call and kind of raise a little bit of hell and they listen to me um but i i mean we've been saying this since you and i started this podcast this this industry is in dire need of help of like sort of progressive thinking right it's been the same old shit for a long time and we're watching some brands kind of reel from it now so an interesting example of that that i had in my notes here we got news that um octane which is a brand off of fintech mm -hmm. uh just bought cycle world so they're basically their whole jam is to provide financing to power sports customers huh. And then they've bought the Bonnier motorcycle group. They bought Cycle World and Motorcyclist and Dirt Did they Rider. They buy it because it came with a huge list of customers. I think in part that's that's part of it. I think I think they're doing what Ride Apart tried to do like seven years ago or whatever, where it's like, hey, people come to this website to read and learn about motorcycles. Right. Those are those are future sales leads. So how can we how can we make them sales leads to actual salespeople? <laughs> And then, like, the you know, list. and that's Octane's whole thing. It was like, you're a customer, you plug in your thing, and like, hey, I'll get you a good, a good loan on that Kawasaki you want to buy. And um, there's like, oh, match made in heaven, right? Do it. I mean, I mean, I'm I very, see the math. I get it. I'm very cynical on how this is going to actually look in like two, three years. But hey, whatever. Give well, it a like world's gone. Give so. it a try. You create. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. They they they're going to close down the print version of right. it. Um, so you just sit there and just like, like, I've seen this before and it's not great. Like I, it makes sense. Like it's, it's a business plan. It's right. an idea. It's not crazy. It, it could work. I've just never seen it work out well. And you're just kind of like, cool. Good luck. You keep doing what you did. You're going to keep getting what you got. It'll be interesting. Um, so who's out? I mean, is there any print? left in the u.s there is uh is it roadrunner magazine i think they are now officially the largest monthly print magazine in huh. the united states i mean iron and air is is still doing their thing with their very small boutique um harley davidson just brought back their their print publication wow. which just seems like the more and more like harley davidson moves forward the more i'm just like Oh wow, you guys really just didn't get it at all, did just, you? Just, you just want to keep. All right, yeah, that's fine. You're, You're doing gonna, that now, huh? Okay. Like they pulled out of India. <laughs> they're pulling bikes out of Europe. They're bringing back like their print magazine, and like they're getting rid of like all the cool new models that they were going to like the the Street Fighter model, the Bronx. It's kind of like I don't think it's dead, but it's very much indefinitely delayed. Yeah, definitely not alive. The ADV mostly bike, dead. I think is going to come out, but. Well, I don't know. We're going to be live wire basically done now. Live wire. No one seems to be talking about live wire no. anymore. I think they're not really into the electric thing anymore. And you're just sitting there going like, so all the things that you were doing to like be different than you were to like right. change. Cause obviously what they were doing before wasn't working. So all the things that are like, okay, we're going to start doing new things. We're going to make e -bikes. work. They're like, no, 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 let's stop doing that. Let's go back to the, doing the thing that wasn't working. Let's just double down on that. <laughs> and you're like, cool. Good luck. I guess the idea is if the ship is sinking, just make it a more buoyant sinking ship so it sinks slower. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the idea is like, hey, the ship is sinking, so let's make it a submarine. All right. You know, if you got lemons, I have really nice lemons. I don't know. It's one of those things like I was pretty like this time last year, if you'd asked me, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Harley. I think they're 
we had some we ideas had this conversation like, a year ago yeah <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna work out but that's what i would do you know good luck to him i think i think something positive can happen here now i'm just like run harley just run really fuck everybody up and make that lightweight middleweight sport adventure bike that's the thing though i give think us a, give us up. a 400 pound 100 horsepower no. fourteen thousand no. dollar ktm 790r adventure killer i mean i don't i don't disagree with what you're saying <laughs> but like there's nothing in that brand now that i'm like oh yeah they could do that <laughs> no and i'm like i mean i'll reserve judgment to see what this this uh pan america looks like in reality but is that like, still happening is that still really on the on the books they're very quiet about it but yeah that one seems to still be coming out uh because it, it fits into the touring category Maybe Harley's gonna just become a super boutique company and just sell like forty thousand dollar cruisers. I think I think Harley's such a big company. I don't think that they shrink. I think they collapse. I don't mm. think like there's there's this kind of a thing where it's like the same thing with the airlines. It's like you can't be American Airlines and fly over the all over the U.S. and then like the economy takes a downturn. You're like, oh, now we just fly to. Yeah, Chicago and Atlanta and Houston and San Francisco. <laughs> it's like no, no, no. Like at a certain point, it just it just collapses, and you're like, you're just not an airline anymore. Do you? So, I mean, we always talk about this. Do you think that this is their version of like hitting the pause button to figure out how to be proactive later? Because I'm trying to be an optimist and always thinking, come on, guys. You're talking about Harley here, just in general. But yeah, sure, Harley. Like, do you think there's somebody in that in that board meeting that goes, "All right, things have changed." Huh. You know, we we were talking about how millennials are buying differently, but now the world is a little bit crazy, and we got COVID, and we got all kinds of crazy shit on the news, and so you know, let's just go back to old school Harley and just sell our old American Iron, and uh, you know, m- make Har- make Harley Davidson air cooled again. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I think Harley, so Harley is a very specific thing. And I wouldn't say that their issue is one that can be translated to others. So take that for what it's worth. But Harley Davidson, like in a way, COVID's like a huge helpful thing for them and also a massive detriment because it's really easy to blame shit on COVID because that absolutely your your sales were down q1 q2 right well of course they were covid yeah that makes sense uh you're having trouble with this dealership that thing this bike's not selling that thing's not selling blah 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 blah. covid totally makes sense but if covid wasn't happening harley davidson would still be having these issues right and arguably having them to the same extent so I think COVID masks it. And so it's like, it really is like, oh yeah, we had to write off, you know, $200 million of this quarter again, but COVID you're like, yeah, but if it wasn't COVID, you would have written off 199 million. So right. maybe, maybe we're misdiagnosing the, the, the problem here. You're looking at the wrong symptom and like, like the, the facts are the facts, like the people that buy Harley Davidson motorcycles. And we've been talking about this for 12 years plus, because that's how long I've been in the industry, but we were talking about before I came to the industry. People that buy these motorcycles are getting older. They're aging out of the sport. They're getting to that point. Like the reason that trike sales for Harley Davidson started to go up is because these same people, like they no longer could ride a two wheeled vehicle, but they could ride a three wheeled vehicle. Well, now they're just, they're just so fucking old. They can't ride anything or they're dead. And like, they're just coming off that cliff. And the problem is, is that population 
was never getting replaced by younger generation. It wasn't there, like... The, do you think it was for lack of trying? Because it seemed like Harley kept trying to like paint a cool picture for younger dudes to get a street glide or a road glide and put 21-inch or fucking 30-inch front wheels on there and shit. I think they they didn't... They were like... They like quadrupled down on selling to baby boomers and they became the experts on selling to baby boomers and that carried them for a really long time. And those were the halcyon years and no one was sitting there thinking about how can we make this a sustainable thing, right? They were going to a well that was only going to give them water for X amount of time. They weren't thinking about what are the other wells going to be how are we gonna, for what it's worth. How are we going to get our water 10 years from now? Right. And now that well's dried up or it's hitting the bottom. The bucket's hitting the bottom and coming back with rocks. And they're realizing, like, shit, we got to drill some more wells. We got to get some water from some other places. And that takes time. Yeah, it does. And that bed About was, 105 years, apparently. You know, and, and all credit <laughs> to, like, the management that's at Harley-Davidson now, a lot of the problem that they're de- that they're facing was created by the people that were in charge 10, 20 years ago. So it's like, it's not really their fault. But at the same time, like, you knew what you were getting into when you came into the job. And now it's like this this whole thing of like, oh, well, we're going to make an electric bike and we're going to make an adventure bike. We're going to make a street fighter. We're going to make bicycles. We're going to make hybrids and scooters. And, you know, we're going to do this, this and that. We're going to throw everything to the wall and see what sticks. And you're like, yeah, like that's what we've been telling you to do for the past decade or so. And truthfully, like it's just a little too late. Well, and and so, I mean, their version of that was making a halo bike that was $30,000 that could only go X amount of miles. And great, you got Ewan McGregor and Charlie Hunnam or whatever his last name is. It Hunnam? Hunnam. Um, doing that long way up or something. Yeah. With Harley and Rivian, I think. Yeah, I, I, I get it on my Apple TV. I could care less to watch it. It's just it's just scripted and it's like American Chopper don't care. all over again. I don't, I don't care. care. I don't care. But that's I the don't. thing. Like Ewan like McGregor's on a bike. I don't fucking care. Obi-Wan Kenobi's riding a motorcycle. Cool. I don't care. It's, it's not even that part of it. It's just like an, it's an... It's an uninteresting facet of motorcycles. It's you could it just looks forced and scripted. We the, all know that bike well enough to know it can't do that without just insane amount of planning and insane amount of uh uh management. I actually I I don't envy the the project manager for that at all. Um I'm trying to find when did long way round come around? Oh my god! Is it literally twenty years ago? He's got it. Well, no, two thousand and six. No, two thousand four. Four. Okay. So you're literally taking. So this this is the thing that kind of kills me. This is this is like this is I think very indicative of Harley Davidson thinking, because the the one thing you can say about it's Charlie Borman that you're thinking of. Borman, yeah, uh, a, a, a fine asphalt and rubber reader, by the way. Nice. Uh, I don't know about Ewan. I don't think Ewan McGregor reads asphalt and rubber. I'm doesn't have time. Too busy. He's pretty. He seems pretty down to earth. I know a couple of guys who actually know him, and he seems super into this shit. I was just watching him in the uh, Harley Quinn movie. Fucking horrible. I didn't see it. Oh, don't bother. Okay. Birds of Prey. It's horrible. Okay. It's a horrible movie. Yeah. I don't uh, Jensen. We should do movie reviews. Jensen. Two thumbs down. Ooh, two thumbs down. But but you know, to their credit, they literally started like the adventure touring segment with with that. Yeah, they long I way think single handedly made BMW GSs like cool again a cool thing yeah and, and like the biggest mistake ever in the history of the motorcycle industry was ktm not giving them bikes and so <sighs> so like there's some credit to like these guys are like quintessential influencers before that was even like a term you know they literally yeah. they literally created a segment they literally were like helping birth the adventure touring movement uh very influential uh genuine motorcyclists like i'm not trying to take away from it but like this is harley davidson like 
well, let's just get those guys that did that thing 15 years ago yeah. and have them do it again. Right. Like, like literally like you're 20 years too late guys. Like, well, like, like with everything else, you're 20 <laughs> fucking years right. too late. You're 15 years too late. <laughs> you know, get a fucking clue. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I think it's just a regular old plebe peon human being here, boot on the ground here. I, I have a hard time accepting the fact that this huge company, the, the fucking Disney world of motorcycles didn't have the wherewithal to look forward. I, I, I totally believe it. And I, you see this in corporate culture all the time because, because you look at who's in charge. It's the same thing uh, that I've seen in the motorcycle industry as we shifted from like, cause I remember when I started all the marketing managers, a lot, in fact, a lot of the journalists were 60 plus years old. All the right. marketing PR guys right. were 60 plus year old white dudes. And I remember having to like literally like tell them what the internet was. And I remember specifically <laughs> a major OEM marketing manager being like internet. Isn't that like a fad? Isn't that like going away <laughs> in like a year or two? Asphaltandrubber.com. Do you have a magazine? Do you print? And, but just like, like he was genuinely like the internet. That's just going to go away. That's like, what are you talking about? Like how that, how that's a thing. And then like, this is 2010. You know, this isn't like 2001 when the dot-com thing was going on. Right. Like, like the internet and like the, the internet culture of it being a business has been around for a decade at this point. I'm like, I'm like what? what fucking planet are you on? Like, <laughs> I know like you barely have a, a cell phone and an email address, but like, are you fucking like that out of touch with it? And they were, they were that out of touch with it. And now like you see almost all the journalists are under the age of 40, right? Almost all the marketing guys are under the age of 40 um, they're called influencers. and the ones that aren't are very savvy. And it's like, the, that's why they can stick around. And, like the, the industry had to learn like, Hey, like there's a whole like social media right. com thing going on. That's like, Hey, we got to get hip. The point where Triumph only invited like influencers to come and do one one of their like. Well, they've probably gone a little too far down that (laughs) down that rabbit hole. It's like I'm going to be way ahead of you guys. They they just want positive press. They just want pop (laughs) bot press. So, um, but it's that same thing. But like that that like gets me in Harley because you look at the Harley people and you're like, everyone here is over fifty. Now I'm not saying that like the people in those positions aren't aren't good at it right but culturally as a whole over the aggregate there's a disconnect i, I look around a lot like you guys are really not connected to what's going on. like you guys need to hire a hell of a lot more 20 and 30 year olds i you know like influence you need to like go home like you, everyone should get off work at five and be, have a mandatory like you need to spend three hours with your kids <laughs> just to know what the fuck's going on like like do a tiktok like you know, like have a Snapchat, like, like TikTok. What is a TikTok? Yeah, is that a dance know? move? <laughs> I already have a clock. What do you mean? TikTok. I, <laughs> I mean, got a Rolex right today. here. <laughs> but it's just like that disconnect because it's just sitting there like you're like the great idea for 2020 was long way up. Like, really? Like 15 years ago, that would have been cool. Yeah, they TikTok their kid who's 50 years old. And their 50 year old kills <laughs> them. Well, I remember once upon a time I saw this movie called Long Way Around and Boy, it made me want to buy a BMW. So maybe if we do something similar, somebody's yeah. going to want to buy a cool electric Harley for thirty thousand dollars. The hardest thing is is, and this is this is actually really relevant for Harley. The motorcycle industry has more in common with the fashion industry than it does the car industry. That's fair. From a business mindset point yeah. of view, the product obviously is very different, but just the way that you have to act just the way you have to influence and be touched. And so now you see, you know, very the, emotionally the, driven, the head of, of, of Harley Davidson now is an ex Puma person. So like that should be like, that's the part I'm like, well, okay, they, they should get this. 
And they keep being like, oh, we're going to come out with a plan. Here's the pre-plan to our plan. Stay tuned for the real plan. Here's coming up. I'm like, you guys don't have a plan. Like, I'm waiting for the plan. Like, they have you have a plan you, to make a plan. You have a plan to make a plan. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, you should have a plan out by now. That's how memos get started. You got to make a memo about the memo about the plan. And then you'll have a planning meeting for the plan. And that's the thing that worries me. Where I'm just sitting there going like, I feel like you should know better. And you're not. And you're not. You're not selling me anything that shows me remotely close that you get what's going on. Good luck to you. Listen, I'm not saying we have the answers here. I get that. Again, we're playing chess on somebody else's board. But. There are people that get paid a lot of fucking money in these companies, and they should have some kind of a clue. <laughs> We're like an hour into the show. I didn't. I don't even have Harley Davidson on the board. <laughs> this is not even. This wasn't even. A you know what grinds my gears? Harley Davidson. You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> Me and my, my, my next week, COVID COVID nineteen at Sturgis <laughs> super spreader event. Oh God, we got at least like throw that out there. I was like, of course it was. <sighs> of course it was. <sighs> I'm shaking my head. I know you can't see. This is just audio, but there, I'm shaking my head. I will say, I 100 believe that that Sturgis should not have happened and that was a horrible thing and it was a bad like like in terms of marketing for like the motorcycle industry it was a bad Terrible. thing for the motorcycle it industry. made us look like even bigger dweebs than everybody already thinks we are everybody- everything everything bad you can say about motorcycling and motorcyclists Sturgis this year personified yeah the one thing I will disagree with there was a report that came out that said like Sturgis is responsible for like like a quarter million coronavirus infections I'm like no there's no way like there's just no way I was looking at the methodology. I was Listen, like, like, this is so... 60% of the time, 100% of it is correct or something. I was like, there's there's just no way. Is it responsible for a lot where some people dying because of it? Absolutely. Quarter million? No way. I guess the idea That's was it's say. a super spreader. So, you know, if you take out of the quarter million people that showed up there, if, if a quarter of them, ah, fuck it, even if a tenth of them were affected and then they went out and touched, say, five more people each. I mean, it's it's one of those things where... Yeah, like let's say you and I, I I'm infected right now. I right. get you infected. You right. go get two more people infected. They infect four more people. They go on and infect eight more it's people. It's like Every, a pyramid scheme, bro. You know, the R is two, right? So everyone's getting, it's just doubling. Right. At some point, like you can't just say, well, Jensen was responsible for a quarter million people because that one thing, like 20 generations back, all comes to him. It's like, okay, that's one way of saying it. But there's people along that thread that would have gotten infected from that's other butterfly vectors as well. Shit if I've never heard it. Yeah. It's just kind of something like, yeah, that's some fuzzy math, but it definitely, it definitely spread some coronavirus. It was definitely not good. It was definitely they actually renamed it the Sturgis virus after that. The Sturgis virus, the Sturgis virus, <laughs> the Sturgis virus is something very different <laughs> and very, very real. And Super it's been around. It's been with us for a very long time. Long, long, 75 years, I believe. <laughs> Oh, Christ in a handbasket. Uh, speaking of other things we'll never see, uh, Honda CBR 600 R finally came out. Yeah, and we don't get to have that. We get nothing. Why the fuck? We get nothing. Uh, because America only wants big bore shit because, because BMW R18 too. I <laughs> I wish I'd had like more of a conversation with Honda about this because I just sit there and I'm just like, I don't know what you guys we, are. We were just talking at the shop, like, you know, daydreaming about what Ducati could do. It'd be cool. Like, if Ducati made a 599cc V4 superbike, I would sell my soul. So fucking cool. Yeah. I have I have pitched that to Claudio. And he's just like, Jensen. Jensen, don't make me slap Jensen, you. Jensen. I will yeah. slap you again. Who would buy this bike? Tell me. me who. And I'm like, Claudio, I would buy the bike. It's like, you crazy guy. I, who would buy this bike? Other people like myself, Claudio. I would 100%. $20,000, 600cc V4. Sign me up. All day. That'd be so fucking rad. God dang it, man. That bike would be... Can you imagine a 16,000 RPM V4 
It wouldn't be 16,000. It'd be like 20,000 RPM. Fuck, even better. It'd be silly. It'd be just just all the sillies. Something that you have to like baffle the shit out of because it'll just set off every black flag in every racetrack. Just a little, just a little screamer. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be super rad. I I, I do think it's, it's as someone like, this is how I know I'm getting older. My birthday's coming up pretty soon. I was just talking to my cousin and I was like, I'm turning 38 and 38 is a weird age. Watch your feet, man. Sometimes they break for no reason. So, you know, I know it's about right? that time. Because, like, 35, you're still kind of young. I mean, like, you're getting older. You're, you're in your upper late 30s now. You got to, like, rethink, like, that donut, five donuts and a burrito and a Mountain Dew that you had for lunch. But, Meh. you know, you can still kind of get away with it. I fucked you up by introducing you to that new burrito, didn't I? Oh, so good. Oh, so good. I love burritos. Um, <laughs> but, like, you're also, like, you're right there to 40, and 40's legit old. 40 Shut like the fuck up, man. 40, 41. 40, you wake up and your foot's hurting because your bone no spur fell off for, no, for some reason. I literally reason. feel like I was that movie, uh, what was it called, where she breaks the guy's fucking feet. Misery? Yeah, misery. Yeah. I feel like I woke up I'm like, all right, who, team man, what were you doing with that mallet last night? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so like, like I, I, as I'm getting uh, more more mature. Oh, that's it. You're you're like fine wine. I'm like a you wine. Are. I mean, I'm just aging really you're like, well. You're like a fine vinegar. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, like I'm not having as much fun on superbikes as I used to. I want smaller displacement. I want to so, I want to play with my cornering speed more than I want to go 180 miles an hour than the front straight because a V4 does it like it's nothing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, like I love the Kramer. I love racing the Kramer. I love that class. I'm learning a lot, and it's it's a tool for that job. But like. You had someone come in the shop the other day and buy a Kramer. Yep. And they're like, I'm just going to track day it. And I was just like, man, like you're going to love this bike for like a year and then you're going to be ready to move on. And, and Kramer, to their credit, they've got that twin cylinder 890cc bike that's coming out. Got that price tag. Last which week. has got a ridiculous price tag on it. Woof. Can we uh, say it? It's 32 grand. 32.5. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've already talked to them. I was like, you guys got to come up with like a $25,000 version. But But think about that, though. Like if that that bike, if you and it and it's like commercialized with with all the leverages that you have at a major OEM, right? That could be a twenty thousand dollar bike, and you could be like, would you would you ride that for twenty grand? Like, cause like I like I should back it up. I think the the Kramer GP two is the perfect track day bike, just as I think like like a six hundred cc V four would be the perfect track day. Oh bike. god, yeah. Just as like this Honda CBR six hundred. I don't know. Like it's still kind of the older CBR, so it's kind of funky a little bit. But like that territory of bikes. Like yeah. I, I have a story that I want to write. That's like something along the lines of like the middleweight twins are the new six hundred super sports because you look at bikes like the eight ninety Duke, the FZ07, right. the you know these bikes in this category, and they're just kind of like they're affordable. But they're fun. Yeah, they're super fun. They're easy to ride. They're easy to live with. And so, like, just like someone's got to give. Like, I get why the 600cc Super Sport market's not working. I get why Honda's like, hey, we're just going to make it for Japan because in Japan, a 600cc Super Sport out the door already costs like $25,000. And right. then the cost of ownership's even higher because they fuck you on insurance and, and all that other shit and the licensing. So it's like, oh, yeah, like, you're not going to think twice about the $26,000 model. Because you're already paying out the nose for yeah. it. So, like, they don't really care. But think, here in the U.S., obviously, I see why. I think you made a really good point, though. I think these middleweight bikes are the replacement for the 600 bikes. Because, but back in the day when the R6 and the CBR600 and the ZX6R, when they were prevalent, there was no really cool middleweight bike. You either had a leader bike 
or 600 cc there was nothing awesome in the middle there was no super duke 890 or 790 or anything like that mm-hmm. and so now that there's all these choices especially in the naked side for really decent money like I, people don't see the value of spending 12 13 14,000 dollars for a 600 cc super bike yeah right we do because we're track day people but like the average buyer is not the average buyer just wants to have a cool bike that they can ride around town go to the beach do that so that and the other and what's more comfortable than a naked yeah that can handle twisties all day long yeah no that's like like <clears throat> if i'm buying a street bike i'm buying like a street fighter i'm buying like a super duke i'm buying like a tuono absolutely because way more comfortable than the full ferry option and typically less expensive and less expensive and more approachable and just as fun if yep. not more so um but i do think like i do think that there's a a, a market for like a fun sporty track bike yeah. and like like the 600 like oh yeah i'm i'm, I'm like I'm with you i'm disappointed that the cbr 600 isn't coming here because it looks it sounds kind of cool yeah don't know if i buy one but it sounds pretty cool somebody but, somewhere would buy it for a track day bike but there is a market there and i think that's like you know, like you look at like the Kramer and you look at some of these other bikes, like there's, there's obviously a market there if people are willing to buy those and then to turn an F, if you're willing to take an FZ07 and turn it into a race bike. Right. That's dedication. right? I there, mean, come Dan. on. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I look at Ducati, for instance, with the Street Fighter V4S versus a Panigale V4S. Those bikes have a lot in common, but you know what the biggest difference is aside from the lack of fairing on one and the, that one has it $4,000 Delta. Yeah, that's the other part of it. That's a lot. For a bike that's essentially the same chassis, same engine, same everything, for $4,000 less. And by the way, more comfortable because those handlebars are six inches above where the clip-ons are. Yeah. Yeah, this fat guy is going to buy one of those. Never mind. I mean, never mind all those other things. Just that $4,000 difference is like, shit, that's a lot of money I can spend on other stuff. Well, that kind of gets us to the conversation I, w- I said I wanted to have with you because I got to go ride the Honda CBR 1000 R. R dash R SP Fireblade Ooh. SP Whoa. model year 2021. <sighs> Who's your mama? Who's your daddy? And what does he does he make a good roof? Or as they like to call it, the triple R, which sounds pretty good. Can we just lower it? That, that's it. The hundred triple good. R, triple R. Oh, too good. Triple R SP. Not quite as good as Fireblade. We could just call it the Fireblade and like hope that everyone knows we're talking about the latest model. Fireblade R. Because Fireblade is pretty much the broadest name ever. Yeah. But Triple R is pretty good. That's good parlance. The Triple just, R. Oh, Triple R. If you buy one and your license plate isn't Triple R, you're just not doing you're it. You're just not trying very hard. Come on. Um, I, I, well, we can Tarantino this review a little bit. I like the bike. It just, the price tag is so hard to swallow. How many monies? 28.5. That's it, Ducati. It's Ducati <laughs> territory. It's a V4S. <laughs> Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is it better value than the V4S? No. Wow. I mean, I, I would love to get those bikes on the track at the same time. Right. Do X, Y, like there, there's some caveats there. Like, like I was really quick with that answer. In my mind, I'm very slow to that commitment. Um, I do think it's the best in line four on the market. Okay. Um, very disappointed in the BMW when that came out, especially the American spec. Um, the Honda is definitely better than that. The Suzuki is rudimentary in comparison the kawasaki is showing its age the yamaha i've never gotten along with that yamaha. i know i have a ton of issues with yamaha as a company like, <laughs> i just feel like I, you can I lay will, on the I couch definitely, and talk about yamaha i'll definitely preface my bias but like <laughs> when i i got a chance to ride one yamaha has done a very good job of keeping me off their bikes i got to ride one in uh at a tire test not too long ago mm-hmm. 
And I tried to keep them on. I was like, man, this fucking bike's so uncomfortable. It's so, like just the ergonomics of it for man, me. I thought just, the R1 used to be like the. When it came out, when it came out in like 2015, that was yeah, a stinky yeah. bike to get. Well, that's a long time ago. And, the is, and they've nude it a little long. Uh, it got an update recently. Uh, I think 2019 it got updated. And they made some good changes. Right. Um, but it's just everyone's caught up and and I think makes better bikes. Like uh, top of my list is the Aprilia. RS before RR. Don't bother with the factory. Yeah. And that's another thing we can talk about too, because I just got to ride the the latest factory with the electronic suspension. Um, but like I forget what the price tag is. It's like eighteen thousand for the RR. For the RR. And that's like <laughs> perfect. Maybe buy some wheels. Yeah. Call it twenty. Buy some wheels. But like that's the thing. When like when like the V4S is twenty eight five, when the Honda's twenty eight five, when you know, all these other bikes, even the Yamahas and stuff are getting up there. The new BMW M one thousand RR that just came out, that 30. thing's that's gonna be close to thirty yeah, when it's it the US. To be 30. I don't think they've announced the US pricing yet. And somebody was like, Well, it's gonna be like the super legera. Stop no, it. No, it's not. Stop it's it like right the HP four. Yeah. It, it is what the HP four used to be. Yeah. Uh it's 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 rad on paper. I'm looking at it right now on their on their website. It's got a lot of cool things. It's I there's nothing about it that makes me think that they fixed the things that I didn't like about the S one thousand RR. Um, but a cool new name though. It's a but, like, proper it's, BMW it's, with an M on it. It's interesting. It's cool. You know, I could, you could talk me into into liking it. There's a lot of things that I I struggle with, but um, configure now. Are you gonna give me a price tag? No, no. You're gonna make <laughs> me pick a different motorcycle. Good job. Call your local dealer to get a. Price Literally, tag. I can't even. I can't even select it. Yep, no price tag. Um, but it's going to be like 30 and change. Here. I never thought I'd live in a world where a Honda CBR Fireblade costs as much as a fucking Ducati. Well, and that's the thing. So like, let's talk about, let's talk about that a little bit. Like there's, there's some things with that price tag that have certain expectations. And there's some deficiencies in the Honda that are just like, like for instance, cast wheels. What? At that price point, like, like BMW is bringing carbon fiber wheels to the yeah. market. Like give them all credit. They're fucking crushing it crushing that side at the very least everyone else in that price point forge is doing wheels. forged aluminum right May, i mean our yamaha is doing forged magnesiums but they're really really heavy so it's like why are you even bothering yeah, with that nonsense forged aluminum call but, it a day um you kind of like really and, I, and let me loop back to that another one is rubber hoses for the brakes what to the to the credit like the honda pr guy's like well did you have any issues with the brakes and i was like no the brakes were really good he's like all right so what's the issue all right, fair enough and i'm like yeah you're right there is a certain expectation and yeah. something like a hose. What's that going to cost you? Like $3? Like, come like, on. It was like talking about those $24,000 zeros with that yeah. shitty brake system on yeah. there. Like, and you're, on, like, you're like, eh, there's a certain expectation. But bring it back to the wheels. You absolutely feel the wheels. That bike, to me, coming off, because they were really cool that they had the outgoing Fireblade SP right. and the base model uh, CBR 1000 RR. That's going to be for 2021 as well. So you can kind of see where the lineup has been and where the lineup will be and how the two generations of bikes compare to each other back and forth. The old SP is like one of the best handling superbikes on the market. It's actually a really fun bike to ride other than like the electronics are a little weird and you're down like 20, 30 horsepower. <laughs> but it handles. It's fun to ride. Like you have a viscerally fun time on it. Compare that to the Triple R. You're like, wow, it's it's a little bit more sluggish. It's a little bit more vague in the front. Yeah. And some of that is the suspension. They're using the next generation Olin's electronic suspension, which 
I don't like electronic suspension on superbikes, period. Hmm. And the latest Olin's version is definitely better than the previous version. But it's still not nearly good enough for like an A-level rider. Do you get the feeling that that suspension is set up more for a street ride? Electronic suspension is great for street riders. And if you're going to be like a superbike guy, it's like, hey, I'm going to commute on this bike. This is my weekend bike. This Mm -hmm. is my grocery getter. Like, I just like sport bikes. This is my jam. Because like I was that guy when I was, you know, my 20s. Yeah. Yeah, it totally makes sense because you want your like street suspension. You want your like guys in their twenties don't pay suspension dollars for a motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, I I could kind of get it, but like at my point in my motorcycle career now, I look at a CBR and I'm like, you're just going on the racetrack. Yeah, you know, maybe if I live near some really good twisty canyon roads, you'd be my weekend ride as well. But you're really just gonna be on my racetrack bike, you know, track day bike. Yeah, um, and you're just sitting there going like, I would just. That's where I come back to, like the Aprilia. I got to ride the the new factory, and it, it has this the suspension as well. It ruins that bike. Mm. It absolutely ruins it. I was like, holy shit! Like this is one of my favorite bikes, and now it feels like it feels like a brake. It actually felt like the Energica, the electric bike. It was so slow in the front. It was so vague. It was so um, I don't know how to des- describe it, but everything muddled coming from the front end was just wrong. You know, it's funny. Aprilia added that on that bike to give you value, but it took away from the bike's capabilities. Like they should have flip-flopped it. The RR should have had the suspension and the, you know, the factory should have had just a nice Olin's, you know, mechanical suspension on there. And that's, and that's, and that's this topic of, of a story that's going to come out for ANR Pro readers very soon because it is, it is 100% like we need to justify the price tag difference between these models And we 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 aren't going to do that by meddling around in the motor. So it's going to be components. We'll put better wheels on it. We'll put better brakes, and we'll put the quote unquote better suspension. Right. But it's not better. And that's the funny thing. Like where you go and you see a bike like a Superleggera, and you're like, well, why doesn't it have the fancy rad electronic suspension that is out? And you're or like, the V4R for that matter. Yeah. And it's like, well, one because it's heavier, and two because it's not as good. Right. Now, I think you can make a really good argument about the Superleggera. Like, why doesn't it have the FGR, you know, forks with the, you know, the air canister that, like, the, say, the BMW HP4 race has? Right. And I think that's a totally fair argument. Like, you didn't put the highest spec mechanical suspension on there. You put a good one, but you didn't put the highest spec. There's a conversation to be had there. Uh, maybe it's not as light. Certainly. There's no, there's no way that FGR is lighter, but... um. Yeah, there's weird things, and you sit there, and you're just like, what a weird thing for that bike to have cast wheels. I'm still on that with that Honda. And it's noticeable. That's the thing, where you're sitting there like, like I can get the brake light hose, and we're like, well, did it make it better? Is it, or is like, it, That's why they chose did, to save money? Did, did it detract from it? And you're like, no, okay, fine. But it's like, yeah, that's a weird, it is a weird choice. And and for that price point, like it's 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 a grave mistake. Now, the rest of the bike is really good. Uh, the motor makes really good power, even if in its neutered American form, um, it still it still performs pretty pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like the BMW where there's like this huge hole right in the middle of the rev range. Like you look at the dyno, like nine thousand RPMs up, just nothing's happening. That it totally flattens out. You can see that like it's like a forty five degree angle, and then it just plateaus. <laughs> You're like, okay, obviously we know what's going on there. Um, it's the intake noise that's 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 the culprit. Um, oddly enough. Um, no. but it doesn't detract from the motorcycling experience. Like on the BMW, you get on the track and you're like, this is not fun. Like you've ruined this motorcycle. This is not fun. It's like 40% power until there's hundred percent power. It's literally like, like we would come like where it was really noticeable. We were at Barber and we're going through Charlotte's web, which is kind of a bus stop of a turn. It's awkward and it's weird. And you're banging down gears 
and you go to come out of it because it's a little bit of a straightaway until right. the next the next complex, and you you know you whack the throttle, You're expecting full throttle, bike. and literally nothing happens, and it just kind of goes like it's literally like a Ninja two fifty. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, like you get past whatever zone that they carved out there for the noise, and it just comes right back on like a lightning bolt. Like, like death abruptly, like whips your head back, and you're just like, of course it's gonna wheelie, and you're sitting there going like, this is not fun. Like I shouldn't be on a leader bike, whack the throttle, and have nothing happen. And then the power come in so uncontrollably that like it's rocking me back in my seat, and the bike's all out of control again, and I have to settle it a second time. No, the Honda is really smooth. It's really progressive. There's obviously, it only makes 186 horsepower in the US spec instead of the 214 it should be. Um, So you're still playing with a bit of of power. Um, Oddly enough, so here's a fun fact. Same quoted crankshaft power, same quoted curb weight, same genre as my 2004 Yamaha R1 that's sitting in my garage right now. You can buy one of those on... I will sell you that bike for for like like three grand. Yeah. (laughs) And that's probably me getting the grands more than it's worth. (laughs) Um, So you're kind of like, have we really progressed? Um, But, you know, to the, to the credit, the electronics are a lot better. There's some weird things. There's no independent slide control. The wheelie control is tied to the traction control. Um, There's only like two levels of ABS intervention, but you can turn it off. Um, So there's some kind of things that are like, well, you know, other brands do this differently and i would say better but more importantly like the traction control works you know the first three settings i think are perfectly good for track riding i saw some guys were like oh on level six it was really abrupt you're like well yeah it's because level six isn't really designed for a dry day on a track um but i can tell you level one through three works fantastic um very predictable like you don't even notice it coming in cutting in really um handles pretty good not great but good it's a good bike. It's a competent motorcycle. It's very, it's very good. Is it $28,500 no, good? That's the problem. It's not $28,500 good. So that was, that's my follow-up question is going to be, what is the, what are you getting for that? What is, what is the purpose of that price tag? You get it. I mean, I, I think part of that disservice is because it's the American spec. Because if you said Jensen is, if it had been 214 horsepower, the most powerful super bike on the market. Right. And you told me it was the most expensive. I'm like that would make kind of sense to me. That would that would totally make sense to me. I mean, I don't know if it's still worth twenty eight five. In the same way, I don't know if a V four S is worth twenty eight five. I'm not even sure the RSV four factory, which is like twenty seven six twenty seven, yeah. is worth that much. You know, like there's there's a thing where like super bikes have just gotten expensive, right? And that's like part of like where I have to like dial it back a little. Like, like listen, like the last three super bikes to come out are all near the $30,000 price yeah. point. That's just the reality of it now. And I may be just not ready to accept that. Maybe, I mean, I would have told you this even if I wasn't working at Motocorsa, but I always sort of forgave brands like Ducati and MV Augusta and even Aprilia for being more expensive because they are sort of like that halo European ultra luxury brand that you pay more for, right? It's like the same in the car world. You don't pay the same dollar amount for uh a honda that you do for a mercedes-benz even though ultimately they're the same thing right like the conversation we've had 
does that car have more metal? Does that motorcycle have more yeah. or less? No, totally. Right, raw materials in it to make it worth that much more. No, you're paying for the luxury and the the, the let's call it the privilege of owning one of these things. But that's that's what defines a premium brand, right? But yeah. if Honda is going to come out and go, hey, I have a bike that costs as much as the premium brand's version of this bike, but it's not going to give you the things you look for in those premium brands, it makes me scratch my head and go, but but why? That's where it gets a little hard, and I think some of that's an American. Uh, I was going to say absurdity, right. but let's say reality because 186 horsepower. I'm just not going to get excited over it. That's literally 2004 level technology. Right. Um, but if you told me I had to pay a premium to have the most powerful super bike, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. And I can't review a bike that's not in front of me. So I can't tell you if it really like rockets your eyes back in your head and is a crazy thing and all that jazz. I've ridden bikes that have close to that, that much power. And they are absolutely buck wild fun. I mean, it is just it is just silly silliness. Yeah. And so, like, I can kind of extrapolate it, but I think that's part of the disservice of of. I'm trying to get on Aprilia's website and it's crashed. <laughs> um, get your shit together, Aprilia. Or as uh, I've recently been told, get your get your poop in a group. Oh, I like that. Get your poop in a group. Yeah. Which got a little ring to it. Definitely apply to the Brap Talk podcast lately. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get our poop in a group. We're definitely pooping, but it's got to get grouped. It's not been grouping. It's been pooping, <laughs> but it's not grouping. Um, yeah, it's just tough. Like, it's just one of the things, like, some of it's just, like, the tragedy of the circumstances, and that's just kind of what is going to be in the American market, and that's part of where I'm like, 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 super, like, if you're a motorcycle maker and you're in a supermarket bit, super bike biz, like you got to rethink the game now because if if it's if the reality really is that EPA noise restrictions are going to limit everything coming in here to the point of like it's it's like performance levels from ten years ago, right? Or you have fifteen to cork years the shit ago, out of it. Like it's mm-hmm. just like I get like yeah, you can take it down to your tuning shop and they're going to chip it and flash it and put a power commander on it and all like these you other sign things. A waiver for all that, and like you're going to make two hundred and twenty horsepower or something stupid. But you've also just voided your warranty. Yep. Your motorcycle is no longer legal on the street. If a cop pulls you over, they're going to fine you into oblivion. Yep. Especially, Especially in California. If you're in California right? <laughs> your dealership's just not going to do deal with it straight up if you're in California. Um, and you're just going to like, it's like, I shouldn't have to spend $30,000 on a bike and then spend another two, three grand to make it work the way it was supposed to. That's my that's my that's my dilemma. Mm-hmm. And where it's like, hey guys, like you got to figure it out. Like you either got to figure out a way to make the power work here, um, you know, design a bike for that can that can do the things in all the markets, or it's just like you're not going to be relevant anymore. Like why should I why should I buy this bike? Like my is my R one now worth twenty eight thousand even? Yeah, like, I'll give you a five hundred dollar buffer. Right. That's not. Maybe it's like the Porsche world. Your R one might come up in value. Not my R1. Come on, man. Have that, you seen that thing? Uh, that wrap you have in the front? Beautiful. Looks so good. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's my new track day bike for next year. Nice. That's what we're going to control ride on. I like it. It should be. It needs a little love. It's going to get some love in the off season. No, somebody was like, are you going to get a new track bike? Why? I have a 15-year-old, I'm sorry, 17-year-old Ducati that does just fine. But that's the thing. So that, that this conversation kind of loops us back, Shaheen, because... Like the performance is no longer the ability. You're not going to be able to sell this bike on performance anymore. Right. Because it's like, oh, it makes 280 horsepower. Yeah, but if it comes to the US with 190, what's the point? Then what's the point? Right. So, like, you're going to have to sell that to me on things other than that. You're going to have to sell it to me. Oh, well, you're going to sell me what, what electronic suspension? Right. All right. Maybe. Maybe 10 years from now, that's good enough. Right. You're going to sell me on like carbon fiber wheels and 
beryllium brakes and <laughs> you know like are, are like a parachute gonna come out and that's gonna be an active arrows i mean like you're gonna have to find other ways to like make this interesting because we've reached this like peak horsepower this peak superbike concept where it's just like you know what like even the moto gp guys that have like 300 horsepower to a liter are still like they're like you talk to them like yeah a lot of tracks we're not using all of that know, we have can't. to dial it back because yeah. it's it just it's not usable the tires don't survive it, it you can't ride it at that at that much power it's just too much like it only like at magello on the straightaway do we ever hit like the true tr- the true it's, potential of our it's motor. so interesting because there is like this weird horsepower war but also next to it is this crazy electronics war to make that horsepower manageable so like you know you watch the i, I watched the video on youtube where they tested an old school Gixxer 1000 like a 2004 just you know kind of like your r1 down there just a beater track bike versus a brand new Ducati V4S. And on the track, the Jixxer actually did a little bit better. Granted, the suspension was built for it and this and that and the other, but like, you know, these bikes, these new bikes are designed to be approachable and rideable. They're far friendlier than the their predecessors used to be. But so on paper, it's like, yeah, you got 220 something horsepower. But yeah, also all kinds of things there to make sure you don't kill yourself the minute you even turn this thing on uh, i just like to add the factory uh rsv4 factory 1100 is 25.5 oh wow so we're 25.5 versus how much is the rr uh, well this is confusing i, I, I always they thought just, it was they just redid their website and it's like hard to read so it could be 24.5 it's it's one of the two but it's a couple grand less 25 ish three grand less and i would say in just about every way a better machine yeah, except for one way. It's really hard to find support, and that shit's getting old. Fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have a dealer here in town anymore, we which don't is have interesting. A dealer anywhere near us. Yeah, there's that. There's and we're that. not a little podunk town. We're a major city. Wow, Portland. Portland likes to think it's a little bit bigger than it is. I but mean, yeah, you know. I hear what you're saying. We're the largest city but in the I mean, state. Uh, it, We're like the second largest city in the region. Right. Yeah, I get so what like, you're saying. That's dumb. It's dumb that there isn't any real... And I get it. I understand that they have their difficulties, but come on, man. Get your poop in a group. Get your poop in a group. Um, Yeah, that's a whole nother, that's an old, whole nother can of worms. And that's a fair... That's an absolutely fair one to 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 think about as a buyer. Um, But I just... I look at it just from a... Uh, like when I do my review, I'm just looking at what the machine is. Yeah. I don't, yeah, you don't, subject, you don't I have no insights into reliability. I have no, I take into account no factor of support and right. warranty claims and XYZ. That's a, that's a whole nother subjective level of Ooh, reasoning. Is that a thing we can start doing like realist, like real world ownership well, experience? I mean, truthfully, that's like what you're supposed to do with like long-term tests and stuff. But like, like I've, I don't think it's possible to do. Uh, what else do you want to know about the Honda CBR? It's an it's an amazing motor. I, I feel like I'm way too negative. My review was really positive. I, I was going to say your review was very positive. Yeah, I there's just, a lot of positive things about there's it. There's a lot of good things, but there's always been a lot of good positive things about Fireblades in general. They're good bikes. I, but $28,500 makes me go, hold on. I'm sorry. So you want me to pay the same dollar amount for Ducati for this bike, and it has cast wheels on it. You're killing me, Smalls. And rubber hoses. And the thing is, the average rider will probably never even notice these things. Oh, you would notice it on that. I mean, if you rode it, if you rode it back to back, you'd absolutely notice it. Oh, yeah, but the average rider is not going to ride it back to back. The average rider is going to just be like, 
that's a badass Honda. I've always wanted, I've always loved Honda. I've got a Honda tattoo on my left arm, and uh, that's the one. There's, there's definitely some things that, that are cool about that bike. Um, super good looking. Looks good. How's the, how's the ergonomics for a super bike? That's one thing we should talk about. Ergonomics on that bike were really hard. Um, really for a Honda, I really struggled. That bike is what? It's tiny. I mean, it's not, but it is. So. Like, um, like tighter than an Aprilia? Yeah. Wow. I mean, here, let me put it this way. Like, I actually had to get, like, for, I, my my shifter foot was so sore. I had to, like, go get a massage and, like, have someone, like, work on my, on the muscle and tendon that lifts the foot. I don't know what that's called. It's, like, the opposite of your Achilles. Huh. Because it just, like, I just, the the foot peg position is what's really hard. It's just really high up. It's like the flex to get to it. And it's just really hard to kind of like, I really struggled with my rider triangle and getting comfortable. I was constantly Granted, I had like some new gear on. So like shoes and boots, I wasn't used to. And like, right. I was having a lot of issues, just getting my foot planted, getting, getting the bike, getting tucked in. My legs were cramping. And all, all the guys that were like over six foot were complaining about, about so definitely getting cramped up. Tall, I, think friendly, for, I, I think Zach Quartz was the only guy that was like, no, this is fine. Isn't he like tall and lanky? He's tall, but he's really skinny too, though. Yeah, he's super. So super, maybe he's got more yoga in his life than I do. Probably. But like I really struggled with. with Shifter not adjustable on it? It is actually. So it's actually really cool. Like one of the more clever things about the motorcycle, the way the shifter arm is set up, switching from regular shifting to GP shifting doesn't change the shifter height. Oh, wow. Very clever. Very clever design. Nice. Um, but it's just like one of those things where I'm like, I'm just gonna sit there like, hey, can we do this? Like, like I would have to buy rear sets. I would have to. Like it just the way they are just isn't gonna work for me. Oh. Um, and it just felt very cramped. And so like it kind of took a minute to kind of get comfortable on the bike as well. And you're just like, oh, that's really weird. It's just it's designed for a smaller rider. All right. Isn't the idea like it always cracks me up that some of these super bikes are designed for smaller riders, but they have a thirty-two inch seat height? They're all designed for smaller riders. I mean, <laughs> you know, like that's the funny thing. That's and that's one of the things. Like looking at the electronic suspension, the Aprilia is by far worse than the Ducati and the Honda. Only Ducati, Honda, and Aprilia have this new Olin's. Um, Why is the Aprilia worse if it's the same basic suspension? Well, so it's it's the same mechanical stuff, but each OEM works with Olin's. In developing like the settings that they're going to use, got it. So like the software is a little bit different, and you know, Olin's is going to come in and be like, "Well, we think you should do it more like this." Yeah, yeah. What do you know? Get out of here. But you know, if like your Perlia test rider is 140 pounds, right? You know, like that 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 is very much a thing. Like I was talking to Perlia about it. Like you know, the feedback that they've gotten from every journalist that's written it, the heavier the rider is, the more they hate it. Huh. And you're like, yeah, that's because our test rider is like literally 140 pounds. So if you're closer to 160, it's gonna be it's gonna be more in that range of what that was set up for. Just put one of those weighted vests on the guy, man. What the well, fuck? you know, and that's the other thing. Like you come back to, it's like, well, how many buyers of this motorcycle weigh 140 pounds? Like if you're telling me, like, well, it was designed with our test rider in mind, our test rider just happens to be really light. I'm like, that's not a good test rider. No, it's a bad, bad fit. Guys. That's not an. You need to get someone like <laughs> well, you, me. Yeah, I bet you would charge them a nominal price to go be a test rider. I'd charge them lawyerly rates that's five hundred dollars an hour then whatever five hundred dollars an hour <laughs> that's what my time's worth but uh, imagine paying five hundred dollars an hour for eight hours of test time to get to get that right yeah to get that right for everybody and that was like the funny thing worth like, it 
Um, but so like you sit there and like, it's interesting to see, like, I will say like Honda's electronic suspension, like that worked out a lot better, um, than, than, than was on the Aprilia, which, and it was within like a week or two of, of riding those two bikes that, so I got a pretty fresh taste of it. But what I really like about that system, and I've said this about Ducati as well, and it's, it's true about the Aprilia and the Honda, just the way they have that interface set up. Right. Whereas like, it's talking to you like a human. It's not like, do you want more rebound dampening? Do you want more high speed yeah. compression or more right. low speed compression? Do you want the bike to handle better in turn? Yeah. They just say, like, like, do you want it to handle? Yeah. They literally is like, do you want it to have better mid 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 corner? Do you want to have better braking? Do you want to have better acceleration? Right. Like right. what, what's your problem? Let me tell me your problems. I'll fix it. I'm a fixer. That's <laughs> the, you I'm know, here for you. That's how it should be. Uh, I like that aspect of it. Let me suspend this bike for you. It's totally the calibration. It's totally implementation. I think the algorithm on like the dynamics and like this is the same like BMW's got a dynamic suspension that's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's a different bike at every turn. I mean, it's super dynamic then. It's being it's super very, dynamic. It's very dynamic. Like it's just so dynamic through every turn. Um, but that's the thing. Like it's such a hard thing to get right. And I do think it's going to come down to a lot of like personal taste. Right. Um. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, Honda's, talk- Honda's pretty good. Honda's uh, ergonomics pretty good. And, ergonomics uh, are tough. Yeah. I think if you're smaller, it's going to be better. Same thing with suspensions. The lighter you get, the suspension is going to probably be better. But the brakes are good. The What's engines- your favorite thing about that Honda? Hmm, favorite thing. Favorite thing. That's tough. Because there's nothing that... there was. This is part of the issue. There was nothing about that bike that wowed me so much. I'm like, that's why it's worth 28.5. Really? But... To, to 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 frame that in better perspective, there was nothing bad about it. Like there was just like, it's a Honda. Everything about it was like a was like a solid B plus A minus. That's literally every Honda I've ever come across. Yeah, you just described Honda as a company. And maybe if it had been the European spec, I'd be like Shaheen. That motor is insane balls. <laughs> it makes power like you wouldn't believe. Like it was a little rocket ship going down the straightaway, and then everything else about it's really good too. But a spec bike so that's all i can say <sighs> it is interesting to see that bmw is taking the m brand and now applying it to its motorcycles and coming out with a bmw m 1000 rr right i wonder if they're going to do the m thing on all their bikes now like are you going to get a m gs i do think you are right i do think you I are think that's going to be the future for a bmw they're like you know what they're just going to combine our car and motorcycle thing i can't wait to see the m 9t i can't wait to see the m18-2 slash <laughs> two yeah they're gonna have to, it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they play with that name i wonder if it's only gonna be on like sport bikes or if like like are we gonna, like, it's just such a low-hanging fruit are you familiar s- with their cars yeah so the m thing used to be like on only like their m3s m5 right and yeah. they were naturally aspirated really kind of raw version of the the yeah. luxury brands right but now you can buy almost any bmw with an m package an on m it. package which is a little different it is totally different but they've watered it down a little bit it's yeah. like calling it's like calling every aprilia factory version because it's got some kind of a cool well thing that's on how it. it was originally like the bmw s1000 rr came out with an m package right. that got you the wheels and carbon fiber right so what they've done is in the past, so so on the BMW Motorrad side, to make their cool bikes, they were they were HPs, right? And we saw HP twos, we saw HP fours, and the latest was like the HP four race, right? Um, which was a fantastic motorcycle that didn't sell at all for various Man, reasons. I wish it didn't flop because it was so cool. It was a pretty cool bike. It's a pretty good bike. Um, you just had to have an engineering degree to really <laughs> ride it. And eighty thousand uh, dollars. Well, 
I mean, but later on you did. Later on, in you the did. beginning you did. In the beginning you did. Um, but that's why, like, that's why it's interesting to like compare that with the Superleggera because it's one of the few bikes that's really in that realm. Um, but what is it is interesting to see with the M one thousand RR what they're doing there and like, um, we still haven't gotten U.S. pricing, but you know, pricing in Europe is I think like thirty two thousand euros or thirty thousand euros. Do you think bikes in the same realm as the Superleggera though? No, it's I think not. More like V four R maybe. Um, it's yeah, I would say it's on par with the R. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, 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 just looking at the, it's two hundred nine horsepower, eighty three foot, you know, pound feet of torque. Uh, Pretty girthy. Where's the weight? Where's the weight on this thing? There it is, four twenty three. At the curb, pretty fucking light. Pretty light. Um, and BMW is usually pretty accurate. So you're talking. I wonder how BMW is measuring that. Is that full of fuel and everything? Yeah. Wow. Their curb weight is it's curb weight is a is a European directed thing. It's ninety percent full of Ah, fuel. Okay. With everything else, it needs to run. So it's not quite like it's about that's about our spec then. Yeah. Weight wise and everything. Yeah, it's right there in that spot. It's a little bit cheaper. Um, having ridden. You know, the base model S1000 and knowing like what they're working with, like it's going to certainly feel less refined than the V4R. But, you know, like I think you could give like a. For that Delta, for like, let's say there's a $5,000 Delta, I think you could refine it out. You could make it, you can make it work. Um, I'm just more interested, like just the fact that they, that's what they're doing. That's where they're coming from right. now. They're adding winglets. Ooh. Um, does the Honda have winglets? It does. Nice. The Honda has that winglet pod. Oh. And that was really hard to tell if that was really doing anything for us. Like when I did the uh, the V4S at Valencia and especially the Aprilia Factory 1100 at Magello, you can tell that those winglets are doing something for you. Oh, all right. Good to know. Thunder Hill Raceway, not really that fast of a track in yeah, terms of its front straightaway. For the winglets to... Yeah, we were barely touching fourth, uh, fourth gear down the straightaway. Mm. So that's like 130 miles an hour. No, it's more than that. Maybe it's 150. I don't know. Can't remember. Not really looking at the speedometer at that no, point. No, you in time. shouldn't be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there's something about this BMW that I really, really like, even though I'm not that big of a fan of, of the bike itself, like the, 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 the base model, the S1000 RR. Right. There's something about this. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool that they're doing that. It's cool that they're building this bike. This is cool that they're investing in the platform this, you know, this way. Like, I'm still worried, like, the brakes are going to be horrible. I'm still worried the suspension's not going to be any good. I'm still worried that's going to vibrate. I'm still worried that the electronics are, like, just set up really stupidly. Right. Um, but like, there's a lot of things about it too that I think could be really interesting, and really good. So, there's so many bikes, Shaheen, and so little time. I got you know that is the truth. You know, you know what? Like, here's here's legitimately this is this this ties in so well because this is literally my last bullet point before I wanted to get out of the show. But it is absolutely true. The thing that kind of stops me is bikes like the KTM 890 Adventure R that just came out, and before that it was the 790. Because I sit there and it's like same displacement ish, right. same kind of setup ish. Like like what I want is a is a is a daily rider right i have no bikes in my garage that have electronics i have no abs i have no traction control true uh it's all analog as fuck down there wow 
uh, I don't think I have a digital dash. No, no, no. The Ducati has yeah. that LCD right. swatch dash. Like yeah. first gen. It's not even a Timex. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Casio. Yeah. It's like, well, Casio would be like Kawasaki style, but yeah, maybe this is a Timex. <laughs> I believe they call it a segmented LCD dash. Yeah, exactly. It's very so segmented. So it's got that, but you know, still. Um, In 2008, that was a badass dash. Sure. Like, it, was. it was everything's tft now yeah everything's everything well that's the one things i really like about bmw it's got that fucking, that's a nice dash it, is it six inches or eight inches i don't know it's bigger than anything it's like i have 12 inches i think it's about, it's about, it's about yeah. this big. <laughs> um that's that's something that doesn't come through on podcast no, not at all <laughs> that's what we need a video show um that's got that beautiful tft dash yeah. and every every motorcycle should come with a dash that big and that beautiful I think KTM's sort of doing that too. They're getting there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they got their Fish Finder dash. I'm curious to see what the, the next level Ducatis look like. Doesn't come with it. What? Just, just the 1290 does. The 890 comes with like a little five incher. Oh, but little, it's still a nice TFT dash. Well, it's it's nice, but it's, it's, it's just not it's that big. So tiny. Yeah. I want I want to be able to watch my Netflix he while likes, I'm riding. He likes watching his uh, his Pornhub while he rides. You know, OnlyFans, OnlyFans. Uh, that's right, OnlyFans. <laughs> Uh, I got a funny story about that in Portland dating. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you to you later. Um, so one of the things that just happened, it just happened today. Uh, today? Yesterday. 890 Adventure R, 890 Adventure R Rally, 105 horsepower. Oh, what are they like? 400. What a, what a bike. 400 something odd pounds. So twin then, yeah. Parallel twin, still yep. the twin. Yep. Um, takes kind of a higher end road from the 790 bike um so very competent very off-road focused adventure tour so i look at something like that and that's like that's super tasty i kind of want one of those in my if it's gonna be so like we're thinking like sixteen thousand dollar price range you know that's really hard to read i think the rally is going to be like in the twenty thousand dollar range because isn't that what the 790 rally cost yeah it's well i mean yeah that's you're pushing 16 grand i forget, on that, I forget how much the 790 rally it was ridiculous yeah. how much it cost yeah um, I would expect like a two, three thousand dollar premium over the seven ninety. It's got to be R. So that's yeah, it's gonna be like sixteen. So I'm thinking that that Husky Norton is gonna be basically based on that bike. It is because it's yeah. a nine hundred one, right? So it's the same motor, eight ninety, right? Um, I'm okay. super excited for those bikes. Here we go. Here's the seven ninety rally. Seven ninety Adventure R rally was nineteen five. So you know the 890 is going to oh, be like yeah. 22 or Easily, something stupid absolutely. like that. If it's not, I'll be fucking way too much. That's a lot of money for that bike. That's a that, lot that's of money. That's too much money. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. A 950 SP is going to cost you 17 grand. That's too much money. But <laughs> 790 Adventure R is 13.7. Yeah. And that's where I, I rode that bike. That's a phenomenal that's little a bike. Good little bike. I really love that bike a lot. And I kind of look at that and I'm like that's not a bike I want to be on the highway on for too long, but it's a pretty damn nice bike. That's a bike that kind of takes the place of a hyper in my garage. So that's that's my conundrum. I can see that. I can see that happening. We're gonna go adventuring. You're gonna camp with me. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll get you a cot so you're not sleeping on that hard ground. You and your cots. The cots are the way to go. Once I were once you go cot, there's no going back. That's not a good rhyme, but you know. You won't get caught without a cot. Ooh. Some something there's something Don't get there. Caught without a cut. There's something there. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about the bike. I like that platform. I like that. I like that whole approach that KTM has with that. Yeah. Fucking ugly motorcycle. They dedicated. Don't know if I care. To, like making the bike the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. It's less about looks and more about functionality, and that fucking thing functions. I would another bike. I would probably not bike the first generation of. 
Yeah, probably I would do 790. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, give it a year or so. 2022, maybe. See what they change. Then there's another one that comes out. I don't know. I need a long-term loan. I think, uh, I think, oh God, I've been screaming this from the top of my lungs all the time, but Ducati, make a middleweight bike based on your 950 Multistrada, but make it like 400 pounds-ish and make it, I don't know, $16,000. I've had this conversation with Claudio. I've had this conversation. If this happens, I'm taking 100% credit for it. You should. 100%. But I've told him, like, like, straight up, like, you need to have an adventure bike that I can actually take off-road. Yeah. And not have it weigh 500 pounds dry. Right. 525, thank you very much. You know, like, that's the thing. Like, that, that's why, like, that's what I love about this bike. Because everyone you talk to in the adventure dirt biking scene, and they're like, I literally just want a dirt bike that I can take on the highway. Yeah. That's not going to, like, rattle itself apart 100 miles down the road. Yeah. Like, and I can ride like, that from here to Moab and go have a blast. Yeah. This, this, is, this is the exact answer to that. It's like, oh, yeah, you can totally do a thousand miles on the highway with this yep. thing and not hate your life at the end of it. You can totally take it down, you know, proper dirt roads, not just like fucking gravel roads and fire trails right. and shit like that. You and can not, like, like not be upset every time. It, I mean, it sucks when you drop it, but fuck, you can at least pick it back up. You can pick it back up. It's not overly heavy. <laughs> right. It's really smart on the way they did the fuel tank and all these other things. It is, it is as close to like a consumer reliable Dakar rally bike as you can get without yep. going down that whole crazy rabbit hole of, you know, making a rally raid bike. Right. Um, and he was like, yeah, it's, that's, I don't know why the, the closest thing we've seen so far is the Yamaha T7 that to come into this space. And it's just like, it's very bare bones, but it's that same ethos. Like, like figure it out guys. Yeah. There's rumors of a Honda, uh, you know, like a little baby Africa twin, little baby, baby, baby twin. That could be interesting. Uh, I think, Ducati would be really smart in following down this path. I think Aprilia with the 660 Turag yep. could have something there. I'm a little, I'll be curious to see. I'll be I, curious to see what the bike actually looks like when it comes out. We've seen some spy photos. There's one circulating on the website. Um, I mean, at this point, we've watched KTM and Triumph sort of paved the way for that middleweight 21-inch front wheel type bike. KTM more so, but Triumph's got a pretty good following with their Tiger bikes. Yeah. I would say the Tiger is still on the heavy side. It's still on, like, it's just... Yeah, it's damn near 500 I mean, pounds. it's all on a spectrum, right. right? You know, like, the Tiger's a little bit more down the dirty side than, say, you know, a GS is. Yeah. Um, what I like about the KTM is it takes it it takes it takes a few steps down that road. You're I mean, really... They dedicated themselves to making you're this You're blending look. almost into dirt bike right. territory. Right. And I think that's, that's where brands need to get. Where it's not just like, oh, this is a bike that, you know, you go take to Starbucks. Like, no, you like, if you saw a KTM 790 or one of these 890s at your local, like, dirt biking watering hole, you wouldn't be surprised. No. Where if, like, you rolled up on uh, on a GS, like a 1250 GS, be like, really? I show up on my Multistrada and people look at me like, are you lost, bro? Yeah. No. That's where the industry needs to head more towards. Yeah. Or that doesn't have, mean take away the big, you know, ultra no, touring doesn't. adventure bike. No, that's there's still a market for them. They're great for what they do, but like some of us want to have a little bit lighter bike that we can bebop around our favorite track. Yeah, yeah. That brings me to the last thing on the on the on the list. Okay. I forgot that I had one more. Oh, uh, and I don't think this. Thing. I don't think this motorcycle is going to be that Shaheen. The Multistrada V4. <sighs> I have. I have. I don't have thoughts yet. I have speculations. 
I think it's going to be more expensive. I think it's going to be really expensive. I think it's going to be just a like technological powerhouse, which is, I think, what they're already kind of hinting at. It's supposed to have some kind of like a uh, um, radar-assisted cruise control type thing, do but you, it's both front and rear-facing, I think. Do you want to know something? Tell me. Real talk? Yeah. I could fucking care less. But that's the thing, you know though, what I don't right? need? We're, you know, we're, we're all about the technology now. But like that's, we've, the th- that's the thing. Like It comes back to... It's just like the electronic suspension. Granted, this is a motorcycle I think electronic suspension actually makes better. Oh, yeah. But it's like one of those things where like, you're literally just like... You're going to make... Like, this bike's going to be like 30 grand. No, I don't think it'll be that much. I think it's going to be 30 grand. I think I think, I think it'll be closer to like the twenty five dollars to $26,000 range because currently a Multistrada costs about... If you get a 1260 ST, you're looking around $24,000. And but that's think like about the it. loaded 1260 got everything on it. What's the what's the Street Fighter V4S cost? 24. Okay. I think I think this is going to be 28999 or something like that. Because I think they're going to take a Street Fighter V4. You know, same kind of idea. Right. You're going to add this fucking radar bullshit to it. You're going to add some other bullshit right. to it and some more bullshit and you're going to find $4,000 worth of plastic to put on it. And it's going to be like just touching thirty thousand dollars, and I just sit there. And I think like, there will be versions of it that'll touch that, but I think I think they, I think the S version to, will touch that. They still need to be able to compete with the GSs and you know th- that range, and that's I think none that's of those what, bikes have gotten to that thirty thousand dollar market. I think that's what they think the nine fifty is going to do. I'm very curious to see what yeah. Ducati's lineup and the adventure space looks like after this comes out. Do they keep the twelve? 60 v twin around do they get rid of it is you it know, just a 950 about that. like i was thinking you know my speculation was they're going to keep the 1260 v twin and uh, or l twin excuse me uh, and and make oh, that look at you. So this is how i know you've sold out as a right. ducati dealer buddy um you got to drink the kool-aid right it's an l twin um shenanigans <laughs> but i always speculated that they would keep that motor as the enduro one but then you you keep seeing these leaked spy photos of Essentially, an enduro-looking Multistrada, one hundred percent an enduro, right? Yeah. With a V four slapped in there, with a yeah. smaller enduro-style exhaust. So clearly, they're working on it. They're doing it, and they're out there already saying it's going to be a smaller, lighter motor, which the V four is. It's it's eleven hundred three cc's, not twelve hundred sixty seven cc's. Yeah. So, I oof, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really curious to see about this bike. There's there's a little bit more teasing to go on. We'll see the motor unveiled and. Well, at this point, by the time the show gets out, it'll be like a week. Right. Uh, October 15th is when the motor's supposed to r- arrive. November 4th is November when the bike is going to... November 2nd, is it? Or November 4th? 4th. Something like that, yeah. Uh, is when the bike will debut. I'm, the butt. I am so... When I first heard about this bike, I kind of had like a preconceived notion of what Ducati was doing. They are obviously not doing that. Although they're being so pretty now tight-lipped I'm, about what they are doing. They're not I'm releasing so a lot. I'm so confused as what like the overall... like. A four-cylinder adventure bike just doesn't sound like something I want to take off-road. Now, the only thing that makes sense in my head is like one of the cool things you can do with a four-cylinder motor is you can disable two cylinders and have a twin. Right. So it's like, and knowing like when you have... Does Enduro mode do that? Like make it a two-cylinder at that That's what I think would be really interesting. Now I'm like, I'm starting to like, okay, now you're doing clever shit. I like that. I like when you do clever shit. dynamic cylinder activation thing. And like the on-road model, like assuming there's a 17-inch one and an Enduro one. Could do that in the corners, just like race bikes do, and it could be interesting. But, like, by the way, radar, every time I see somebody go, it's only 170 horsepower. 
motherfucker. Have you ridden the 157 horsepower twin version? That thing will propel you forward with some gusto. No, yeah, I'm totally fine with 170 <laughs> horsepower on that bike, especially if they're saying more. Especially if it's if it's really an 1158 cc displacement, right? So it's super stroke, tons of torque. Will probably like fucking peak torque at 2,000 rpms all the way up to right. 30,000 rpms, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, like I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine. It's a it's a street bike. It's gonna have tons of torque. I right. totally get it. And they're saying like when I talked to Claudia, it was like this bike has great fuel economy. This bike has amazing interval. Uh, uh, times for 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 maintenance like we we looked at like people like we we plan on people putting 50,000 60,000 miles on these bikes wow. and them you know not costing a lot to do that so like yeah i'm totally on board with that i'm fine with 170 horsepower and how does a v4 with that many desmo shims gonna be affordable to put lots of miles on well if you only have to do valves every 30,000 miles fair enough okay you know i'm not saying that's the interval but they're kind of the getting current intervals are kind of 18,000 miles. Yeah, they're getting there. It'll be yeah. like 20, 25. That'd be fascinating. If they do that, that'll be a hell of a thing. You know? Um, and if it's going to get, you know, 60 miles to the gallon. Like, that's the other thing. We talked about fuel economy. It's really interesting you talk about fuel economy. And the more I've thought about that, and the more that they have like the little teaser where they're like, what was it, like power on demand or something right. like that. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me to have a V4 motor, a high horsepower V4 motor off-road right now i know that they can do the throttle mapping to make it make like 100 horsepower and enduro mode right but just the way the pulses are four cylinders and knowing that motor even if it's 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 a longer bang motor it's still like it's not gonna hook up very well but if it was a twin yeah if you we said that like, low end grunt. Yeah, we disabled you know one of the banks right. of, of cylinders fascinating that would be really cool and if you were like yeah run as a parallel no, and if you're on the highway and you're cruising and you put it on cruise control, right? It could disable two cylinders then too. And I mean, make, we have that in the car world. Yeah. And have it do, you know, uh, way better, you know, half twice as better fuel mileage. 60 miles a gallon. On yeah. The you could get crazy. like 100 miles a gallon. Right. Hmm. So you sit there like, that's really interesting. I don't, I have no insider knowledge. Yeah, these are that. just speculations. That is like, just, that's literally all spec. There's no, and people patents. always come at me like, hey, what has Ducati told you? Fuck all, nothing. I'm not even kidding with you. They're so tight lipped about this. I was actually going to tweet at, at Claudio and just be like, hey, what's up? What's come going on. on with this? Give me talk a little to, something. Talk to me. Give me I'll, I'll leak just enough to make it interesting. I haven't, I haven't annoyed you lately. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, it is time. You should. It is time. It is. I like the picture that they put up of the factory of Claudio. And his uh, right-hand guy taking the veil off the front of the bike. And everybody's exactly six feet apart from each other. Yeah. I was like, man, somebody really planned that photo. They're out. taking Good that job. shit seriously. Because that they, they got hit hard with that, man. Yeah. Italy got hit hard. Yeah. Um, so I'll be curious to see about this. There's a lot of cool bikes coming out. That's one of the things that, you know, I was really kind of doom and gloom about 2021. There's some cool bikes that are still coming yeah. out. And what I really like, and that's what I wrote about with the KTM. It came out of the blue. The great part about not having any of these trade shows a new bike can show yeah, up at it's any just moment. Like, ooh, it's Christmas! It's Christmas day. It's like <laughs> from now for the next like two months. It's oh, going it to be Christmas really every day. Oh man, I'm dying to see asphalt rubber every day. Excuse me, every day. It's going to be something new. Ooh, what's on? What's on? What's Jensen writing about today? Yeah. I'm excited about the V4 Multistrada. We've already got a bunch of customers who are like, "Take my money already." I'm like, "Hold on." Oh, no, it's going to be thirty thousand dollars. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, I think. I mean, obviously, I reserve I judgment until I, I see, see why it. you say that. But at the same time, like we just talked about how there is a $4,000 difference between the V4S Panigale and, and the Street Fighter. For what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
So I, I'm going to stick to my guns. I think this bike's going to be like probably going to start out at like 22, 23,000. You're talking base model. Base. Yeah, because the current base model is like 21 and change. So it's probably going to be about 1,500 bucks more. I disagree. Really? We're going to play some Let's play some Oh, man. This is going to be on recording. We'll know about this. This is, this right. is, this I will is throw you here. a. Okay. Whoever loses buys the other one a uh, a uh, hit the spot two by two by two. Oh, three by three by three. Damn it, you're fucking gonna be hungry. All right, that's fine. Three by three by three. <laughs> Make it worth my while. All right, I like mine with grilled jalapenos. Ooh, they're delicious. I had one today. Um, my mouth literally started watering. <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. Um, hold on. Okay, so base model. 1260 is 19 grand. 1260S is 21. Yeah, I don't look at the non S models. Fuck that. S model. I think the S model is going to be 28 chain, 28 more. I think it's going to be like close to 30. Okay. I think the Pikes Peak model, if they do one, Pikes, well, we're not going to see a Pikes Peak model this year. We're, they're not going to, no, no, no. They won't do a Pikes Peak because they're not going to Pikes Peak right. ever again. Right. They should. I still think they should do a Pikes Peak uh, Street Fighter. No, they should do a Corsa yeah. or an R. They should Something. honestly. They should do an R. Raise the pegs. <sighs> make, fucking, you oh know, make it God. look make it look like the Pikes Peak bike with the cool windscreen. But like, do peg. I think there's always been a loss. You're making me want to do something stupid, like buy a V4 yeah. and turn into a Pikes Peak, uh, a, a Street Fighter. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So let's let's get this figured out so we can get on the show. What do you think a base model is going to be? The base base non S model. Yeah. 21. Okay, I think it's going to be like 24, 25. I think we're both going to be wrong, but okay. I think the S model is going to be like 28, 29, 30. I think the S model is going to be... Also, remember, uh, multi-stratus come sort of a la carte, so you just get the bike and then everything else is additional. Like right, the no bags or anything yeah, like no. that. Yeah. So the base model, I think is going to be like 21. I think the S model is going to be like 23. No, no, no. I think there's a... I think that V4 motor alone is going to put a $4,000 premium. Yeah. I disagree. Again, I'm looking at the delta between a V4S and a V4 Street Fighter. That's fine. You can you can look at that delta all day long. So what's your what's our over under on who's right and who's wrong? I don't I'm not good at betting. Explain that to me. So I literally like, have to be like what is he talking about? You're what saying you, like you said the base model is going to be 21. Right. I'm saying the base model is going to be like 24 or 25. Not us. So like model. what at what price point am I right and you're wrong? Oh. 22, 23. I'm not giving you 22, 23. 23? Yeah. Because I think it's closer to 25. God dang it. All right. All right. All right. Oh, man. I'm going to eat so good. An S model, you say 24, 25? I I think the S model will start at 20, 23. Yeah. Let's call it 23, 5. Oh, wow. So low. So wrong. So, like, that's a $2,000 difference between the current S model. 26.5 26.5 and below, I'll give you. Dang, girl. Yeah. You're going way up. Oh, it's easily. It's so easily going to be more than that. <laughs> no, it's a 30. Because I, I guarantee you that S model, they're not going to put that radar shit on the base model. The S model is going to oh, have yeah, the totally. radar. 100%. The S model is going to have like the stupid shit. Yeah. Watch them put the radar in all of them. Be like, this is a safety thing. We're doing all but They could. I mean, they are kind of like that sometimes. Yeah. You know, I don't think they will, but like it, if they did, it wouldn't surprise me. I could just care less about that radar. I just here's why my math is the way it is. Okay, explain, never mind the V4. explain to me why you're wrong. Never, never. Hold on, let me just close my <laughs> let me just close my laptop. Right, put that away. We're put done. That away. We're done here. When Ducati brought out the 950 Multistrada, it was like 15 and change. Yeah. Okay. 
And then when they did the 950 SW new version with like all the electronics put on there, you can essentially, when you used to buy a 950 Multistrada, you bought the base, base, base model. That's all you got. You got the the segmented LCD screen. You got the cheap uh, suspension on there. You got the cast wheels. You didn't get anything like no cruise control, nothing. Do you know how drunk our listeners are right oh, now? Dude, they're dying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's two hours in and like Guys, maybe eat a some third bread. of this maybe, has been Ducati. Eat some, eat some mac and cheese. Do something for yourself here if you're going <laughs> to listen to this show. So do some high knees. <laughs> get your heart rate up. Burn it off. <laughs> so when they went to the new version, which is I think now called the SW for spoked wheel or whatever. Clever. You now, I don't know, right? That's a lot of thinking. Um, you now get every electronic bit that the s model has yeah. on the 1260 so the led lights the cruise control the full imu the spoked wheels the cruise everything's on it okay electronic suspension the whole nine yards the price went from 15 grand to like 17.5 yeah, that's a theory so, i'm gonna give it to you that's a theory all right here's here's my rebuttal okay come on how, how much was a 1290 panigale s 12 1299 panigale s was 20 actually don't know the answer to this no, hold on i'm trying to think really it was hard like 25-ish it was, it was like 20 20 yeah it was at, by the end of its cycle it was 27 grand basically no it wasn't wasn't that much was it? <clears throat> now i gotta get my fucking laptop you give me, give me google of shit because i remember when the v4 came out it was like three or four thousand dollars more than the outgoing model it was substantially more Ducati twelve ninety nine. That's Panigale S price twenty five seven nine five. It's twenty eight five, and so now it's, it's three thousand dollar difference. Three thousand dollar difference. Yeah. And the base model is even more. The base model, like when the Panigale twelve ninety nine came out, it was like eighteen grand, and now it's, it's like, like twenty two or something. And that's after they did the five hundred dollar jack you up price every year thing. Yeah, and they do that every year. So that motor, like that motor added like four G's to the price. Three, four grand. So if it's at twenty You don't think they've made their money on that, like quote unquote made their money on that motor and like now they're like, well, I mean the raw material costs the raw material. And so like the Jensen theory behind the raw material costs the same no matter if you're making a two fifty versus a one thousand. I think I think Ducati's pricing strategy is to make the motorcycles more premium. And yeah. to just have more margin for dealers. And if the bike costs 25 grand or 30 grand, they're going to sell just as many of them. So why not make more money? I know. I, I agree with that. But at, at the same time, Ducati is trying to be more global and be reaching people the way, say, BMW does. And if they overtake BMW in pricing, it's I, I don't think it's a good strategy. Because currently, pound for pound, a let's say an R... 1250 gsa costs more than a 1260 enduro s whatever when you price them all out and spec them out the same year you're correct you're correct on that so if they do that that's a bold step i'm not saying they won't do it i I see where you're coming from but i think as a as again single boot on the ground here i'm thinking that's not a very smart move I, would argue, thinking, though, I don't think they're going to lose customers. I just don't think they're going to be that global company that they want to be. See, this is the thing that like I really struggle with, especially on the Enduro side of it. I don't see Ducati really ever competing with a GSA. I think you compete with the GS. I think you compete with like a. I mean, they have the bike that fit to that fits the 
bill for the GSA with a giant tank and all that yeah, shit and heavier weight. You're right. You're right. But it's just one of those things like, and I've had this conversation with Claudio too, where just, this is the same conversation actually, right. where it's just like, there's just, isn't that credibility in the Ducati brand to go off-roading with it, like to do serious off-roading. And I'm not saying that a GSA is like a really capable off-road bike. But it's got a pedigree. I'm also saying that since it's 1983 or whatever. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not either, but it's just like, that's its reputation. That's the aspirational right. nature of the bike. And I think KTM through their dirt bike line has built a similar cachet of brand credibility in terms of like, here's a 1290 adventure R you can go take it to Africa. Right. And you're like, everyone kind of, but even though of, they wouldn't give you and McGregor one to do that. Yeah. I mean, but like you can kind of look at it and be like, well, you're not really going to do it. Whereas like the 890 is like, Hey, you fucking take that to Africa. That yeah. thing would fucking rip it up. <laughs> but it's that same thing with like Ducati where it's like, I think in a way, like having all these electronics, all these gizmos, all these things right. is actually what takes away from off-road cre- credibility. Fascinating because like that, that, I, that market's just like, oh, you're yeah. not radar on it. Right. That's one more thing that can break. Yeah, I mean, what do you see in all these videos of people riding through Mongolia? You see fucking KLRs and DRs and stuff like that. Right. So in reality, you want the simplest, most like cost-effective solution to this crazy like notion of you're going to go through Mongolia or Africa or whatever, right? Right. I, I guess my point is just like when you go and you put the V4 motor in it, this yeah. super complex yeah, high horsepower point, thing. Yeah, you just hiked it way up. Then it's like it's like even less credible off-road until right. you've like sold me on that. Yeah. As as a brand. I'm I'm curious to see what they're and and that's funny because that was my thought too because I always thought, well, for an off-road specific type bike, you know, and, and let's call it ADV touring bike, that's what I keep calling these things. Sure. Um, you, you want to have that sort of linear torque curve that allows you to really lug the shit out of it going up a hill or whatever you're doing, getting stuck through mud and all that stuff. I, I, I don't know how a high revving V4 is the solution to that. Maybe, again, we were talking about their ability of doing like cylinder deactiva- deactivation and maybe somehow you can program the bike through smart uh, uh, computers to make it be a low-end capable bike. It's not even like the low-end... I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, you need to have low-end torque to, you know, right. get you up the hill and crawl over the rocks and do all things. It's it's also the power pulses. That's yeah. what really gets me about the V4 thing, where it's like, you can make that V4 motor do whatever you need to do in terms of dyno curves, but the power pulses of a four-cylinder engine are not the same as a no. single-cylinder or twin-cylinder right. or, or anything. I keep thinking in terms of, like, heat mitigation, too, because, like, if you ever go out sure. and adventure on your adventure bike... You're on second gear and third gear a lot, you know, out through those uh, uh, forest roads. My engine runs way hotter then than it does on the highway. You know, when I'm going 70, 80 miles an hour, the bike's super happy, as opposed to going 20, 30 miles an hour down a rocky ravine where the engine's reading 200 degrees, right? It's hot. So how is a V4 going to handle that? Um, So I wonder, I really wonder about like heat mitigation at that point. Like how is that thing going to handle the abuse that comes along with that low slow crawl through your favorite off-road whatever yeah i'm right there with you and that's where i keep thinking a twin is probably a better idea because of less friction but again their answer might be yeah we deactivate cylinders you only got two creating friction not four yeah i mean that 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 to me makes a lot of sense i have nothing to to show me that that's what they're going to do i have no indications of it yeah but that's that's how i would do it I like the way we're speculating this future thing that we're going to know about in about a you know month. Month, but, yeah. Uh, a lot of questions. That's it's probably the bike that I'm most excited about because obviously I love Multistrada. I'm a excited lot. too. I just got a free hamburger out of it. Oh man, I cannot wait to eat mine. <laughs> that should be two hamburgers. It should be like hamburger per each bet. Well, they also have hot dogs now. I don't like hot dogs. So we talked about this. Those are really good. 
It's but just, okay, if you don't it's like just milk. pig lips and no, these are beef. All beef. It's cow lips. It's a, as my as my father in law calls it, <laughs> assholes and elbows. Assholes and elbows. <laughs> Which is a lot like a website I run called Assholes and Rubbers. <laughs> um, I think we're done. This broken foot podcast brought to you by my broken foot. <laughs> it's like two two hours fifteen. Two you hours said you missed us. Here we are. We're back, bitches. <laughs> Follow us on social media. Uh, at Brap Talk. And, uh, have you gotten the, the Instagram thing on your I phone haven't. yet? No, I got to. Okay, we got to do that before yeah, you we leave. Do the thing. Follow us on Facebook. Click subscribe wherever you listen to, to us. us. Write to us. I don't, like hearing from you. Don't leave a review. Don't Maybe leave not a review. yet. Not, give, like, us, give a commercial. We got people shows. like listening to like re- reruns at this point. I I am a rerun right the now. High, the best part about getting this show done today, Shaheen, is I don't have to listen to it in my fucking social media feed for like the last three months like I have been. It's a lot of anger out there. Not <laughs> anger. They're disappointed. They're not mad at us. They're just disappointed at us. They just missed us. Plus, you have two more episodes somewhere over there. I miss sitting on this couch. There's, there's, just a, there's at least jackets. one episode. I don't know about two. I'm pretty sure it's two. Is there two? Yeah. Hmm. We'll look. Yeah, because we did the one, and you're like, let's do another one. We did the other one. Did we? Yeah. Oh. It's in your computer somewhere. It's on that laptop you just I think it's around. on the recorder still. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's raw data. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, yes. Hopefully, we'll be back to <laughs> weekly format weekly-ish format weekly-ish uh there's a lot of stuff hey, man, my foot's broken i can't go right and i'm just gonna come that's here and record point. with you that's a good point we'll get into a groove we gotta get into our winter groove um but there's a lot of stuff coming out a lot of bikes coming out i got a couple more press launches i go in two weeks down to santa barbara to ride the r660 nice the aprilia um it's just a street ride but it looks like i'll get to ride it at coda in november Cool. Um, that R, that BMW R18 should be showing up here sometime so soon, hopefully. Um, which will be very curious uh, to see. Do you what have that's enough room in the garage for that bike? I do actually, I mean, because I'm going to be taking the Kramer to Kramer USA. That's right. So that's going to leave, and then I think the Supermoto is going to end up. It might go with me to there. I might have them work on the on the Husky too. Nice, because that thing needs to get needs a little love. Needs a little love. It just it doesn't need a lot of love. It just needs like a little love. Um, yeah, we'll have room for the BMW. We'll make room. Nice. Park the car outside. I can't wait to ride that thing. I don't know if I can say the same. I'm very curious. There's a lot of things about that I bet that it'll bike. do some mean burnouts. That's yeah. a lot of torque. With an exposed shaft. Yeah. Anyways, um, what else is going on? I'm trying to get a ride on the GP2 soon. I was supposed to go to Barber and then I chickened out. And then we're trying to like race it like CVMA with it or something. I don't know. Oh, we'll figure right. it out. Uh, it's been a lot of trying to figure out. It's really hard. Like, like one of the things we're not, we're never getting out of this show. This show is just <laughs> <laughs> buckle up kids. It's going to be another half an hour. Um, I, I was supposed to see my mom for Christmas. I haven't seen my mom in like a year. I haven't either. Um, Your mom and my mom. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. any moms. No moms. And like, I just talked to her today. She's like, I don't know. We're, we were supposed to see each other for Christmas. Well, she's like, I don't know about Christmas. Like, Second wave, all the stuff. Oh, that's man, going my mom's on. like, get on a plane. I'm like, you're a doctor, woman. My mom's, <laughs> my mom's like, like literally, she will not survive COVID. No way. She's still doing chemo. Oh yeah, She's definitely. Super no. old. Yeah, absolutely not. Maybe we put you like in <laughs> a full body condom before you go down there, man. That's, I wouldn't, mm, I wouldn't put. Like, legitimately, on that. I thought I was like, okay, like I could just self isolate in my house, like get a, go to the store, right, buy two weeks worth of food, right, just stay in here for two weeks. Yeah, but you still have to travel between there and there. You'd that, have to go there and quarantine. I'm not as there. worried about that. I mean, like, like, like you're driving in a car. I guess. Like, 
Oregon, they pump the gas for you. I can like crack my windshield, wear a mask, all that bullshit. Right. You know, you can get by. Pumping my own gas in California, I'm not going inter- to interact with anyone doing you gotta that. Wear gloves. Better take gloves. You know, like there's ways to like mitigate, but like, yeah. So I don't think I'm going to see her. So we'll be recording podcasts. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. It's a, it's a bit of a bummer, this whole thing, but we're just trying to figure out how to go through it like everybody else. I don't know why we went around down this rabbit hole. Where do we start either. with this? You're talking about the things you're looking forward to doing. Oh, that's right. It's it's caused a lot of chaos in right. my in my schedule. So we'll see. Um, Let's bikes. record, bro. My foot's all fucked up. I'm driving a car. It's weird. Do you get to keep the boot after you're done? Oh, yeah. I bought this thing. Ready for flat track season. Yeah. Well, it's going to basically probably go from this foot to, the, to this foot because this foot's on the verge of getting fucky too. Oh, are boots ambidextrous? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is flat. Huh. I know. I know. I know nothing. And about boots. boots dexterous and boot I've dexterous. never, I've never, yeah. My, I've my, never, this is my, I've gone 41 years without wearing a cast on my leg and here it is. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Not even because I did something cool, just existing. Mm. Yeah. No cool stories. Ah, nothing. And with that, we say, make good choices. Safety third. Good talk. I'll Bye. see you out there. That was a, that was a lot. Excuse me, Kitty. I know, I know that we've been talking a lot, but adults are speaking. <laughs>